Today's Tuesday, October 29th, 2019, and this week on the Birdland BS Podcast. We hand out our mid-season superlatives to the Ravens as we're halfway through. We take a look at what we can expect Sunday in primetime versus the Pats. We get into our predictions and are a little light, so we fill you in on the World Series. And the Terps step shell deep into a gopher hole. Stay tuned. So let's take it to the Birdland. That Baltimore home flavor is coming firsthand. Fred Scott and Ryan, tell them the word, man. Mixing a little BS to make it work, man. Sports, they got it. When excitement, the topic. Make sure when they toss you the ball, you don't drop it. With all that swag, you're going to listen regardless. Here comes the pitch, so it's time to get it started. It's Birdland BS. BS, BS. What's up, BSers? What is up, peeps? Fred, Scott, and Brian, it's episode 120 of the Birdland BS podcast. It's been a uh, it's been an interesting week. No Ravens football, but uh, I think a lot of people were excited for some potential moves. Yes. With the trade deadline coming up at 4 p.m. today. Uh, I hope everybody's on some anxiety medicine <laughs> or depression medicine because nothing happened. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, we got a big, big week of football. We got a big game coming up this Sunday, prime time Sunday night lights. football. Bill Belichick and Tom Brady come to town. We're going to talk a little bit about that. You know, we've they actually come in, had, I go out. That works. <laughs> we've had some we've had some really good success in prime time at home. I'm going to talk a little bit about that and why I think the Ravens could potentially win this game. Okay. Uh, then also, we're going to take a look at some awards that we're going to give out. Some superlatives, some things that we picked out last year. We called it our BS award ceremony. Uh, a few things, not a whole lot, but a few things that we figured we'd make note of. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about that. And then we got some World Series talks, some primetime predictions, and then the Terps. Yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> Was not a pretty week. You went to Minnesota. I'm blaming your ass. Look, <laughs> I got a, hey, I had a lot of fun. Uh, Ryan and I did go to Minnesota. I'm going to talk a little bit about the trip and uh, what all we saw there and some of the conversations that we had. We had a really, really good time. Uh, but we do want to remind you, if you've ever been injured at work or in an auto accident, not sure who to call, 855-MD-CRASH or the Maryland personal injury attorneys that have your back. If you find yourself in that unfortunate situation, and I know I have, give our team at MD-CRASH a call right away. We all know the cost of medical bills, lost wages, and pain and suffering can add up quickly and potentially put you in a bad financial position. If you want a team that will handle your case, big or small, and just give you some peace of mind, save this number now, 855-MD-CRASH. That's 855-632-7274. Be sure to follow them on Facebook for some fun giveaways, including tickets to some of your hometown teams. All right, Fred. Well, we come off of a, a bye week. Obviously, you said you went out to Minnesota for the bye week. How was yeah. that? Was it a lot of fun? How were the people out there? Oh, man, it was beautiful. It, it was uh, the people were extra friendly, like almost like you like, were unsure how to take them friendly, like unsure if they were going to reach around and give you one or well, <laughs> not quite that far. <laughs> you that's, said that. that's a little. He, much. Did he not oh. say extra friendly? <laughs> Come they, on, man. They, they were pretty friendly. Treatment. But we're talking Jesus. about 12-year-old kids here. I whoa, hope whoa, that's whoa, not man, What kind of stuff are you into, buddy? I hope that's <laughs> not the case. No, but, I mean, just, just walking around the town, because we did a lot of walking. 
a whole lot of walking. My legs are still paying for it, Ryan. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, no, we did a lot of walking around town and just people's general outlook and the way that they carry themselves there. It's just a little different than it is here in Baltimore. People just outwardly walking up to us. You know, they we're obviously wearing Maryland Terps gear and stuff while we're there. So people know we're there for right. the game. And they're just walking up. Oh, welcome to Minnesota. Hope you enjoy your stay. Da, da, da. Like, and you're waiting. Like these 12-year-old kids come up to us. We're standing outside of the stadium and they're like, hey, welcome to Minnesota. Shake our hands. And then I'm waiting for the Hey, will you donate a dollar to this, or will you buy a five dollar candy bar from me? No, that was it. Just wanted to say hi, welcome to Minnesota, and then walked away. I mean, and that happened multiple times. Wow, just right. just very different. You do that shit in Baltimore, you you can get in a fight real quick. Yeah, the city is just the city's really gorgeous. It's it's obviously the Twin Cities, uh, very small cities, but very clean. Right. Uh, you can walk around at 1 o'clock in the morning and not have to look over your shoulder. That's nice. <laughs> There's not homeless people sleeping on every corner. That's nice. Not people doing the creeper walk, you know, with the half head hanging down because they're, <laughs> they're strung out. Yeah, strung yeah. out. No, nope, you didn't see any of that down there. So it was an interesting trip. We got to do some uh, top golf, which if you've never done that before. I have. Who care? I don't even care if you're a golf fan or not. If you, it's It's basically... Cosmic bowling. I was gonna say you, you beat me to it. Exactly. Meets, cosmic bowling meets the driving range, right? Yes. They give you all these different games and targets to shoot at. There's alcohol. There's there's food and everything. It's just it's a really really good time. So if you get a chance, they are trying to build one here in Baltimore. In Baltimore. It's been in the works for a couple of years, but BG&E with the land that they're trying to build it on, there's some aerial lines there that BG&E is not having it with. So it's been back and forth with them trying to get that worked out. But hopefully that gets built because it, it's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. Right now you got to go all the way down to all the way to uh, near uh, what's it? Isn't that, you have to go past Maryland Live. Yeah, you it's, it's go, right. It's all it's, it's right down, down there in that same area. No, no, no. It's down there in uh, it, in downtown oh, by that's the right, Horseshoe that's right. it's Casino. Not far from, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, no, I'm talking about the yeah, one that's the to top golf that's that's around is down. Past uh, the, um, it's down in DC. There is a, there's oh, okay. one in DC. Wasn't aware. Um, down, I think it's Al I think it's considered Alexandria is, is where they consider it. But I, I went there and that was a lot of fun, ton of fun. I'll talk more about the trip here in a little bit, just to kind of give you guys some insight as to who we talked to, that kind of thing. But we got to talk Ravens first and foremost. Obviously, well, I, I got to tell you about my 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 thing. You had fun with that, yeah. But I want a jersey this week. Oh, yeah, that's right. You did. And so I, I brought it with me. It is a Marshall Yonda jersey that I won. Pretty sweet. So our friends over at By the Docks yeah. did like a, a contest because he's actually going to be there on Monday. Oh, nice. Um, so autograph they, signing. Yeah, autograph signing, doing all that. They had Justin Tucker last month. They're having him this month. Um, and so they had a little contest, and they they said, okay, somebody – like somebody – caption this and it was just Marshall on the field and I said I said the country's best right guard pairs with the country's best crab cake right and I won so I got that and I was there I was talking to John the owner uh awesome dude uh he was all I'm pretty about sure I've met it. him once or twice really nice he's, guy he's he's hard to forget if, yeah. if I showed you a picture you'd be like oh yeah I've definitely seen yeah. him um but talking to him about Berlin BS I was like hey do you mind if I mention on the show and he was like yeah please please do and I was like all right cool and he's like tell you what while we're at it, here's this. He gave us a gift card to buy the docks. And this is to give away on the show. Hey, kudos to them over there. So here's the deal. And they're not a sponsor, by the way. Just so you know, this was him openly being like, oh, you got a show here for your fans. Right. There you go. 
Kudos to the guys over at uh, the, the people over at By the Docks. Great place. I've never been there before. And I'm not saying this just because of this ordeal. Best crab cakes in Baltimore. Jimmy's are good. Coco's downtown are good. Pappas are good. For me, Coke or for for me, By the Docks takes the cake on the crab cakes. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> Jump when they say jumble up. It means chunks. It's, I I usually it's get amazing. We get when we go, we get two uh, the two crab cake special. And you get two crab cakes, two side dishes. Literally, it's so much food. It's two meals for us. So here's the deal. What we're going to do is after the show, either tonight or tomorrow, we're going to put two social media posts out. We're going to put one on Facebook and one on Twitter for this gift card. All you have to do to enter is like the post and share the post or retweet the post if you're on Twitter. If you can do that, we'll put everybody's name in a hat and next week on the show or maybe two weeks when you're back in the office. We'll we'll talk about it either way. just kind of depends on how many people like and retweet it and all that. We'll put all the names in the hat. We'll draw one live on the air, and we'll make sure that we get the gift card out to you. Again, big shout-out to the people over by the docks. That was awesome. Yeah, great. So let's talk a little bit about the Ravens, man. Uh, Obviously, there was a lot of, like I said, hype kind of coming into this weekend, even though there wasn't a Ravens game, but the hype around the potential of what this team could look like after the bye if a trade was made. Well, the trade deadline came and went today at 4 o'clock. The only movement that we saw was last night, the Ravens extended Willie Sneed's contract by a year for another $6 million. I still didn't hear what, what the, how that hit the, the salary cap. Did you Did you take any, any I didn't, account of that? Or no, I didn't see the financials on it. I heard a lot of people kind of clamoring as to where it could range if they did a restructure anywhere between like $1.5 million to $2 million that it could have potentially freed up for this, for this year. And, you know, not obviously kind of looking at it now that we know that nothing happened, it was obviously just a, ro- a, a, a way to make room in case. Right. If they needed to make a deal, now they have the extra well, room to be able to do that. They were clearly trying to make a deal. There's there are several people that, inter- like, I don't want to say interviewed DeCasa, but off the record, DeCasa was basically saying he was busy. Right. And it was more active than usual. Uh, and so to hear all that, it was kind of interesting. And we were talking pre-show, you know, about some of the names that we were hearing, you know, of the guys that are out there, what were some of the names that you were hearing and and who do you think was the biggest possibility, well, let's say? Well, I don't know if there was anybody that was a real big possibility more than the other. I mean, I think everybody out there wanted to see them make a move for the pass rush, right? And And I've been clamoring that for a while. I think that adding a pass rusher made a lot of sense, but you're not doing it, in my opinion if it risks mortgaging the future. And if that means like giving up multiple first round picks or first round and second round picks to me, it's just not worth it. Then last week you had the injury to Pernell McPhee, right? Which that for me put more emphasis on, okay, we need to get a guy, somebody on the front line. Right. So there were a lot of names that were being kind of kicked around. And I thought maybe two guys that made sense on a more budget friendly kind of deal would have been Vic Beasley out of uh, Atlanta, right. and then possibly Ryan Kerrigan from the Washington Redskins. Problem with Kerrigan is everything that you hear was that the Redskins were just asking for way too much for Kerrigan. And Vic Beasley, I'm not saying he would have been light years a better than Pernell McPhee by any means, but it would have helped per- replace the production that Pernell McPhee had, not having him for the rest of the year. So it would have just been filling a hole because right, now, exactly. now it- you force the rookie Jalen Ferguson to really get up to game speed, learn on the job. His role has now taken a step, it's taken a step forward. 
uh, in the pass rush game. So it'll be interesting to kind of see what the Ravens do there to supplant the loss of having Pernell McPhee. Yeah, but I, I don't rule out, let's let's be honest, I don't rule out them picking up somebody off the, the bench that nobody's paying attention to. And what I mean what I mean by that is when you look at look at what we talked about last week with the LJ Fort move, the Josh Bynes move. Yeah. I mean, those are two moves that those those guys were one guy just got just got dumped off a team. Another guy's been sitting on the couch for since pretty much the beginning of the season. Right. So I don't put it past Acosta to pull to pull a guy up like that and put him in that situation if Ferguson is not stepping up as and, we expect him and to. And there still could be something that happens. I mean, it, there could be a team that cuts somebody and then you put in a waiver claim, that kind of thing. So those types of deals are still out there. It won't be for anybody of note. It won't be any for any big names or anything. But again, a Vic Beasley wouldn't have been a big name. Maybe a few years ago, he was a big name. I was going to say, he's but a little now, past his prime. He's a little past his prime. He doesn't have the production he had at one time. But again, I think he'd have been a viable veteran option. Somebody that has experience, somebody that has playoff experience, would have been good for this defense to fill that void. So I'm going to ask you a question here. Kind of bouncing off that. Yeah. This is, isn't something that we talked about, so genuine interaction here. Does this, does, does moves like that, and going out and getting some of these guys, these guys that are vet, true veterans of the league, or having the interest in sniffing around, if they truly were sniffing out a guy like uh, Vic Beasley, mm-hmm. does that show that what they thought was going to be true for this team of going young can really make it happen, or does it show that maybe, maybe it would have been beneficial to keep a solid veteran around? Well, I think they've admitted that that they wanted Terrell Suggs, that they offered Terrell Suggs the correct or the, the amount of money to keep him. He ultimately chose to go in the other direction and start fresh with another team, go back home, play in front of his, you know, his his home right. fans, that kind of thing. Uh, so I, I don't think the Ravens were naive. They knew that they needed some help at pass rush, and I think they did want again, they wanted that veteran presence Experience, there right. with Terrell Suggs. Which is why they go get McPhee. Right, and it's why they go out and get a value move like Pernell McPhee. Um, I just I hope that they have some sort of backup plan to fill that void because I don't think Ferguson's the answer quite yet. Now, on the other side of this, we do get Peanut back healthy, and if we use him like he should be used and like he was used last year at the Will linebacker position, that creates a little bit more of a pass rush for us because that's what he was actually good at last year. He's just not good at being the Mike linebacker, the middle linebacker. Um, communication issues and then just, yeah, he has the this, this speed, but he just doesn't, I don't know if it's a football IQ type thing. He's just not good at the Mike position. At the Will Will linebacker position, you get him back full speed. I think that does help there, but they still need to find, hopefully they'll find one of those savvy moves, and I don't put it past Eric DaCosta. He's made some good moves so far. Yeah, I agree with that. I guess about the only question, since you're talking about that, if you're going to pull him off the mic, what? Who, who's who's going to have the mic on? Uh, who's I got mean, the green dot? I think right now um, it's still Chuck Clark. It's still okay. the safety because he's he's – and, and multiple people on that defense have kind of admitted it. He's the quarterback in a lot of sense on that defense, that he's he's the the brains to the defense. Maybe he doesn't have the physical ability that some other guys have, but when he's on the football field, he's the smartest person on that football team. He's a, he's a Jefferson 2.0 in that, in that situation uh, exactly. with his abilities on the field. And that's what I was curious to see if you would think that, you know, do they make the move to put it on Earl Thomas with Jimmy Smith coming back? You know, we've been hearing all positive things that Jimmy should come back this week. Right. Hollywood should come, come back this week. So uh, I, I was curious to get your take on that. And that's, and that's the other thing that we need to, to remember. Right. So 
This, in a lot of ways, is a new defense, right? We replaced so many pieces on this defense, and we've got people playing positions that maybe they weren't playing before, and we've got newcomers coming in that have never played in this system before. It's a more complex system, but you know what I'm seeing? is I'm seeing a positive trend. This defense is getting better. Right. Even Russell Wilson, two weeks ago, was running around for his life. We <laughs> ended up hitting him 10 times. Granted, we only got one sack on Right, him. but you're hitting, you're you're putting hitting the pressure him. You're hitting him. You're putting the pressure on him. You're making him feel uncomfortable. So it's not that this pass rush doesn't exist and the schemes don't work. It does. It just would have been nice. I feel like that's that one missing piece to the puzzle that really, really would have been kind of the, the extra piece that they need. But over time, again, we're still nine weeks away from the end of the season. You give this defense another nine weeks to really gel, learn each other, and get into the playoffs. That's all you need. Get in. Get in the playoffs, which right now the Ravens are sitting pretty. Yeah. They should have a really good shot at getting in the playoffs. If this team's going into the playoffs healthy and rolling – Nobody's nobody's going to want to face us. No, they got a chance. I mean, you got Bill Belichick, who who basically this week admitted, and we're talking about here a little bit, basically admitted Lamar somebody to deal with. Exactly. Now, and now the other move, and we talked about this last week, but it can't go unmentioned. Maybe it might. It wasn't a deadline move, but I think the addition of Marcus Peters is going to pay huge dividends because again, you get a Jimmy Smith back. We talked about it last week. (laughs) Whether it takes him a couple of weeks to kind of get back to full game speed and all of that, you have Jimmy Smith, Marcus Peters, and Marlon Humphrey on top of Earl Thomas in that defensive backfield. That's nasty. What's the B word chiming in talking to Jimmy? He says we will be blitzing more with Jimmy back. 100% agree. And this is kind of to our point what we've said. We actually talked about this last at year. the end of last year. We were talking middle. We were talking this time last year okay. when he went down. Right. That we were talking about the fact that he, when he came back, he should move into a safety. And, and we position. also said that you know when his contract comes up, the money doesn't dictate what he's getting paid right now for his production and for how much he's on the field. That over time, with all the injuries, his body's going to slow down. He's going to slow down. That he may transition eventually to a safety role because he has that. He has the football IQ. He has the size. He is a big hitter. Yeah. So he could be that rangy free safety, or he could play the box and be a strong safety. You could really do multiple things with Jimmy if you transition him to a safety role. Okay. I don't know if that happens with the Ravens or not. But, but I think that is his long-term spot. But let me career. ask you: Can you imagine the disguises that you can play? You know who you know who loves disguises? Bill Belichick. Can you imagine putting Jimmy Smith on the field and disguising him as the strong safety and letting Earl Thomas bite up and him bite back, or vice versa? Yeah. And putting that play on him, they ain't gonna know what to do with the, with the, with that many guys. That's why they like doing it because you can have so many different disguises. That's what's been working for the Patriots. So I think they should take a. a a page out of their playbook and the Ravens should start doing that. And I think, I think we begin to kind of see that when it comes to, to this, this week. Um, but let's move on to the superlative awards. Yeah. We'll We've talk gotta, about the Patriots in a little bit. Yeah. Oh, hold that thought. I know. I know mid season superlative awards that we're going to give out. So we're going to start with a semi obvious one. Most valuable Raven. Who is your most valuable Raven right now? So I am going to be, the most obvious here. Remember, you can't. You can only use him once, and I'm only going to use him once. Okay, and this just, is again sure. where he fits best. The most valuable Raven is one hundred, one thousand percent, 
Lamar Jackson. And the reason for that is not just what he's done individually, which he's on pace. Just to put this in perspective, let me ask you a question. Who was the hype around in the NFL? Who was the hype around last year? Patrick Mahomes. Okay. Why? Because of his ability to scramble, his ability to make big plays. Total yardage, right? Well, he yeah. put up over 5,000 passing yards, and everybody was clamoring this guy is the MVP. Lamar Jackson's on pace to put over 5,000 yards combined. Passing and rushing. Chose Who cares? Ability. Who cares where it comes from, whether it's on the ground or through the air? At the end of the day, he's accounting for 5,000 total yards on pace for this season. Yeah. Why is that looked at any different, whether it's through the air or on the ground? Over 5,000 yards. And here's the other thing. This offense as a whole is ranked second in the NFL. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this. When in the hell was the Ravens offense ever ranked second in the NFL? I'll wait. <laughs> Never. The closest, the closest I can even get would may, maybe was Trent Dilfer. Maybe. And that's no, probably pushing it. What? Come on. I'm, it's no. a joke. No. The only time it was ever you actually. You cannot take a goddamn joke. <laughs> the only Jesus time it was Christ. ever potentially feasible and I'm. Pulling out a card would be 96, their inaugural year when they had Vinny Testaverde, <laughs> potentially. And I don't even think they were then. Steve McNair, maybe back in that era. No, they weren't. They were no. not a top two offense. They're a number two offense. Everybody wants to make a big deal about, well, you know, he's, he's running the ball, he's doing this. He just, I don't care. He accounts for 5,000 yards. How could he not be the most valuable Raven? Okay. Because there's one other guy that's made moves. Let's put this team in a position to win. And I'm not talking about John Harbaugh. Most valuable Raven in my book is Eric DaCosta. Touche. Eric Touché. DaCosta has made moves. Look at what look at how this season started. Look at how this this secondary was. Look at the moves. Look at how the, the pass rush was. Look at your linebacking situation. Look at what happened. Look at the moves he made with LJ Fort and Josh Bynes. Okay? He goes out and gets Pernell McPhee. Before the injury, McPhee was doing really well. Okay, yeah, he's doing good. He goes out. He makes the pick of the potentially if he didn't go down the pick of the year in Hollywood Brown mm. in the way that he was started off the year. If he can come back and continue and not get hurt again, doing well. Yeah, right. So that's my point is there were pieces in play that made this team good, right? Mm -hmm. But he goes out and gets the pieces to help them become great. I 1000% agree with you. Like. <sighs> I was kind of curious what the transition from Ozzy to Eric was going to look like. Was it going to be more of the same? But it hasn't been at all. No. Like he absolutely has a different mentality. He has a different strategy about things. And I personally like it. I like the fact that he's kind of transparent in a way, that he's not afraid to go out there and, and make the moves that he needs to make. If somebody's not playing well, shit on it. What, See you later. What's the one thing that Ravens hate to ever do? Waste draft picks, trade draft picks, get rid of draft picks. What did they do to get Marcus Peters? Yeah. that's And that's my point. It is He's making moves that we've never seen before and elevated this team to a different level. Lamar already had this team at a pretty decent level, right? But the Eric DaCosta moves go up. When was the last time that you saw a video of Ozzie Newsom at an away game on the field getting fired up 
about one of his trades or one of his moves right. making an impact in his first game You're or making an right. impact period. We saw this past, you know, last week or the week prior. And I, I said, if you guys didn't get to go see the video, go check out the video the Ravens put out. Da Costa is fired up. He is out there. He's got a towel around his neck and he's shoving it in there so the rain doesn't get in. He stood out on that field all game long. Love you, Ozzy, but that's dedication and right there. I've got so much respect for Eric DaCosta because I'm pretty sure he started out as like a towel kid with the locker rooms, like legitimately like a laundry guy and then worked, he his, worked way his way up, up through organization to get to this point. And man, in his first year, in my opinion, he's hit it out of the park in a lot of ways. So yeah, great call there. So I'm going to let you start off with the next award. The next award is going to be for the Midseason Defensive Player of the Year Award. This is going to be hard for us to be different, on different and two different spectrums. So I'll just let you go with this one. I, I got to go with the only the only and the obvious pick. It, it's got to be Marlon Humphrey at this point. Yeah, the way Marlon's game has been playing, it's been ridiculous what he did in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know what he did in um, in the game in Seattle. Just everything that he's been able to do. He's he's keeping. Top wide receivers, quiet for the most part. Right. So that those type of things, it just goes into into that factor. I, I don't think anybody. I don't think anybody even comes close as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. To Brian's point, I mean, he's been shutting down every team's number one wide receiver all year long. Yeah. All year long. There's no argument with this. If anybody want to puts it out there and say that it's anybody different that it deserves this award, you just don't know what you're talking about or you haven't been watching. I will say this, and I'm only going to throw this out there just to be different because my award would also go to Marlon Humphrey. I think the one honorable mention, and he won't show up in the stats because of his position, and you won't see the numbers, but I'm going to use just one example to kind of prove my point. An honorable mention goes to Brandon Williams. Okay. The reason, I I I, the reason I say this is because how horrendous was this run defense when Brandon Williams wasn't in there? It oh, yeah. was absolutely <laughs> it was, atrocious. It was nasty. <laughs> we were we were asking ourselves, like, what the hell happened? Oh, that's right. Brandon Williams isn't playing. Soon as he came back, boom, they didn't miss a beat. And again, you won't see it in the stats. He doesn't get sacks. He does. He's not one of those guys that's going to put up a ton of numbers. But his impact in the middle of that defensive line is huge. I see where you're going. I thought you were going to go Judon there because Judon has made it. I think a defensive impact on the on the pass rushes, just as we expected him to. Uh, but I, I was not thinking Brandon Williams. But you make up you make up some great points. Again, I mean, I think it's, the award one hundred thousand percent times period. goes over to Marlon Humphrey. Yes, but it can't go without being said that Brandon Williams deserves some. Kudos. He is def I think I think he's definitely an honorable mention there. I agree. Um, all right, Fred. So when you look at the offensive side of the ball, you've already used up the the go to in Lamar. Yep. So uh, who the hell is your offensive player of the year now? It's going to be a guy that I was high on going into this year, uh, a guy that I kind of scratched my head about in the draft two years ago, but a guy that, man, he's really proven me wrong and that I didn't know what the hell I was talking about, and that's Mark Andrews. The impact that he's had on this offense, 36 catches, 449 yards and three touchdowns, leads the team all in all three, three yeah. categories. And again, I'm only saying this because I can't give Lamar the award because I already gave Lamar the most valuable Raven award, and that's just how we do. We don't give multiple awards. So if I had to pick somebody, are there a lot of guys that are doing good? Absolutely. But for me, even though he had a shit game, he had a shit game his last game, he had multiple drops, 
And I almost didn't pick him because of that one singular game, but I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to let one game define him because that has not been what he's shown consistently through his 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 career so far. And I think the chemistry that we see with him and Lamar is only going to continue to get better as the season goes on. He's on pace for over a thousand yards receiving almost for a tight end. Right. I mean for a tight end in this offense. Like it, in the, a tight end in the league, period, for 1,000 yards, you know, most tight ends we obviously know are always using their – I mean, we're not afraid to use him on a deep route. We're not afraid to use him, you know, across the middle of the field. That's where you normally see him. But, it, you know, it, he's not a jump ball type tight end. He's, you know, he's – in some cases, he's not even front of the end zone type tight end. We're right. throwing to him in the back of the end zone. Right. Which most, most of those guys, you're coming across the front so they can power through the middle, and you put your big, tall – you know, Boykin would be the guy that you go to the back to the back corner of the end zone or you go across the back of the end zone, one of the two. But, you know, I think you, you bring up a great point with him. Uh, the, the only thing that I would differ on with you is mine goes to the other guy that's been a model of consistency and a, a, a valiant leader on this sideline, and that's Mark Ingram. Oh, I can't hate that pick either. Mark Ingram with this run game has opened up the door for Lamar to do what he's done with his legs. If Lamar, if Ingram doesn't do what he did in the first four games, five games, Lamar's not able to do what he did in the past two or three games. Right, and I agree with you, and that's what keeps defenses honest because, right. I mean, the majority of, of Lamar's runs are going to be around the edge because he's not going to take the ball up the middle to avoid the contact and all of that. But if you're going to do that, if you're going to have a quarterback that runs to the perimeter, you got to have a solid run game that can take those north and south runs straight up the middle. And since he's been here, his aggressive style of running, his just grab the ball and fucking go. Yeah. I love it. I love it. There's no hesitation. There's no with dance it. around. There's nothing. But he's so he's so savvy in some of the short little dips and moves that he makes the that dip he, of the shoulder the yes, the, the movement of the hip he's got a very rubbery body in the yes. sense that he's able to avoid the hard hits and break tackles easily and turn what would be maybe a two-yard gain into a six seven eight-yard gain which is why we liked this pick when it or this uh this pickup when it happened because we that was one of the things we said was his ability to just move and become like a rubber band and just kind of move out of the way he doesn't need to stutter step or anything Deshaun Deshaun Chandler brings up a great point he says what about Patrick Ricard and you know what if we had an award or if we were going to do an award for most versatile um I'd hand out like a utility, like a uh, Swiss, a Swiss <laughs> Army knife. Twelfth man award. A absolutely, yeah, yeah. Patrick Ricard would win that award hands hands down. I mean, yeah. nobody else on this team is more versatile than Patrick Ricard. It's a great point. Definitely an honorable mention for him as well. Agreed. Agreed. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the top play of the season. Of so the far? season. Okay. All right, so I'll let you start off with this. For you, first half of the year. What was the single most impactful play of this season? Single most impactful play, actually, it, for me, it came against Seattle. I think it was hands down. This is going to be the thing that propels this team. The moment that this came in, the situation that it came in, uh, it, it was just big all around. Ravens bunch seven along the line. They'll rush five. Wilson steps up, pumps once, throws along the near sideline, intercepted, picked off, and going to the house. It's Marcus Peters, 20, 
10-5, touchdown Ravens! And welcome to the Ravens secondary, Marcus Peters! Marcus Peters interception, baby. Yeah. Like that thing just, it put this team on a, on a whole nother excitement level. You saw the elevation in just their, their emotions, the, you know, the, the mentality that they were having. It put them on that another level. You started to hear it there at the end. Ingram and Pete Juice, man, like getting all hyped about it. Uh, Humphrey coming over. I love you, bro. I love you. Like it just puts them to another level. And to come in and in his first game, make that impact, I think you're going to see that really propel this team in this situation. You're going to see him, especially in that Rams game. Uh, We're going to talk about that here in a little bit. That Rams game when they face the Rams. He loves Rams. He had a lot of respect for him. He's going to want to prove something against him, right? And there's, there's, you're going up next week against the Patriots. He's going to want to prove something against Tom Brady. You just did it against the guy that was the running, the, the guy that was the top pick right now. For the MVP award yeah. and Russell Wilson, yeah. and you just gave him his, you handed him his first interception. He can create a, a dangerous ability for this offense or, or this defense, and create havoc on offenses. I, that's why I, I, think I can't makes. argue with you. I'm going to go a little earlier. I think it was a week or two earlier, okay. and the reason I picked this play is because this was on the road. This was against a division rival, and this was in overtime. Shotgun, Hodges. His man, Juju Smith-Schuster, the ball got lodged loose. Fight for it. The Ravens have it with Marlon Humphrey. He tried to do this earlier, and Schuster shook it off and took it in for a touchdown. This time he hits the bonanza. And that's it. (laughs) I was... The, the Marlon Humphrey, his play in overtime, not only to punch it out when the, the Steelers, the way it felt in that game and the way everything had been going, our defense was not playing great. I was not confident that in overtime our defense was going to be able to stop the, the Steelers from taking it downfield and just getting in field goal range enough to win that game. It changes the whole season. We go from 5-2 and two to 4-3 and three potentially. It could potentially change how we prepare or how we're feeling going into Seattle. So it could have this a multitude of effect. He makes this big play, punches the ball out, realizes that the ball is still rolling around and nobody's picked it up, gets up, runs up, and picks it up himself in Steeler territory to set up Justin Tucker for that game-winning field goal. I think that the overall effect that that individual play had in that game and maybe potentially on the rest of the season for me was my top player of the year. The other honorable mention, and we cannot <laughs> no, we can't go. And I, you know what? This. I'm going to give Brian credit for this because Brian was actually talking about this earlier before this, the, the show started. The Lamar Jackson going for it on fourth, fourth and two. two to put the team on his back and go for it and say, coach, let's do it and get out there and not only get the first down, but get the touchdown. Again, that could be a big turning point for how this season propels from there. Remember how we talked about Yonda actually like getting excited about that? Did you see the video that they released of the wire when they wired him up? And they showed that shot. And Lamar, they actually turned the camera to one that's out of the end zone, pointing it back. And Lamar looks at uh, Marshall Yonda and goes, you want to go for it? And you watch Yonda like a little kid in a candy store, like a fat kid in a candy store. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. (laughs) It was awesome. I Uh, loved it. It was perfect. That was the definition of everything that Lamar is, man. Just his, his competitiveness, his just... His his lightheartedness, but yet seriousness. Like he's just he's everything rolled into a ball, man. There's there's no reason to not like this kid. 
No, no. And that's, you know, that, that just goes to show you what the ability and the hashtag Lamar effect that he has right. on this team. So let's go with the, the last award here. Okay. Uh, who oh. is your most improved Raven? Most improved Raven. Okay. So this could be an easy pick. It could be a layup pick, but I've already used his name. Again, Lamar could have multiple awards here. I'm not going to give it to him. I'm going to go with a another unsung hero that I don't think gets enough credit for what he's done this season, and that's Ronnie Stanley. What okay. he's done at left tackle this year, he's pro. He's in the midseason all-pro team for pro football focus. He's only allowed four pressures all season in, pa- in pass protection. He is playing lights out as much crap as sometimes people want to give to the offensive line and a lot of that's been on the interior specifically at center and left guard he him and Marshall Yonda have been the two staples on that offensive line and I really think in my opinion overall Ronnie Stanley's outplaying Marshall Yonda on the line this year and that's the first time because listen when Ronnie Stanley came into the league it was desperate that we needed a left tackle. So I, I was kind of happy that we picked him, but I didn't know a whole lot about him and didn't know what to expect. In his first two seasons, he played good. He wasn't great. He was a good left tackle. Right. This year, he's elevated he's his game. He's elevated his game to another level, to a Pro Bowl level, potentially all pro level. We'll see how the next second half of the year goes out. But I think he's been the most improved. Raven from one year to the next. I'll, I'll I'll definitely I can see that I can give you that I I don't the Yonda I'll playing Yonda I think that's there but there's something with Yonda you know when it comes to his his ability and his leadership for that line that line line uh, excuse me that lineman group, um, but for me my root most improved Raven is the obvious. It's Lamar. Oh, so here's where it goes. <laughs> here's you <laughs> haven't you hadn't given the award so finally you do all right. So you know I, I gave him a lot of crap. And this is why I had to give him this award. I could give him I could I could give him three or four of these awards. Oh, easily. But if I can only give him one, it's got to be the most improved. And you want to know why? I think that one that I give that's like the best award to give him because he came into this knowing what he needed to work on. And what did he do? He worked on it. Right. Got better at it. To a point that he made defenses start to respect it. Now he's able to play his game, right? He's able to elevate his game. He's brought his whole team. We we talked about the hashtag Marvek last year, right? Yep. That situation, I keep bringing it up. That situation with Yonda. Yonda gets excited. Yonda gets angry. We've seen him. But to get fired up with your barely 21-year-old rookie. Hell yeah. He wants to go for it. Hell yeah. Let's go for it. That just shows you the type of leadership that this kid has. Yeah. So not only does he do it from a standpoint of on the field, but he's doing it off the field to have these guys have, have his back like this. Yeah. So for me, that's why I say he's the most, most improved because that shows you your hard work paid off. I can give you most valuable Raven. Great. Could some people argue at the end of the season for the last six games of last season he was the most valuable Raven? Probably. But for me... Most improved shows more respect to what he's worked and the work effort effort, effort that he has put into this. Yeah, I agree. And with so that. that's why I got to give him the most value, the the most uh, improved so far. All right, 
All right, so let me. <laughs> I'm going to get the people out in social media fired up. <laughs> I, wow. Wait, no, you're not going to go Don't here, are you? No, no, no. So there's a couple of things. Are you going to get high? <laughs> no, no. Okay. Because he got high. <laughs> there were a couple of things that got me thinking this weekend, right? So uh, completely unrelated, but I'm going to make it relate. So the Bears. The Bears have been a pretty good football team now for the last couple of years. Uh, potentially Super Bowl contenders, even with a kind of shitty quarterback in Mitch Trubisky. They've been they've been up and down over the past ten years, but the the past like three years they've kind of like leveled it out. Yeah, I mean with- that big trade for Khalil Mack had a huge impact on what that team can but do. Their defenses have always been good defenses. Yeah, but again, Khalil Mack is Elevates at another it. level. They're they're okay. playing. They were playing really good football last year. What was the one big hole? <laughs> What was the one big hole, biggest need outside of Trubisky on the Bears? Um, anybody that had a leg? Yeah. <laughs> anybody that had a leg and could kick the fucking ball straight, straight. through the uprights, right? I don't know how many p- missed I'm, field goals they've had. I'm pretty sure had. Brian with like six beers could do better than anybody they've had. Oh, I'm, I'm pretty sure. You. Well, it happened again. I know. It happened again this weekend. So, Ravens Flock, you ready to get fired up? Scott, I ask you. If the Bears come knocking, this is all hypothetical. Please don't take me serious. <laughs> if the Bears came knocking for Justin Tucker, what would it take? Because everything, everybody has a value. What would it take for you to give up Justin Tucker? Khalil Mack, one for one. Straight up, that's it. Straight up. Okay. I think what he fills a need that we have. That we really need, you know, kind of need. I, it would have to be a straight up one for one. You might be able to get, a, you might be able to squeeze another because of Tucker's abilities and consistency. You might be able to squeeze another pick out of there, but one for one, that that would be that'd be the only way to go. Yeah. Again, this is all hypothetical. Yeah. You lost your damn mind for <laughs> now. I, again, this just got my brain thinking about it. I'm like, you know, because everybody does. Everybody where knows about. Where were they when when we had Kare Vedvik? Yeah. Glad that was that <laughs> yeah, didn't happen right? then. Uh, but no, for me, I, it would take a serious offer. And I don't think just Khalil Mack for me would do it. I would need Khalil Mack and maybe a first to be able to do it as crazy as that is. No, that would never happen. Cause think of how many first round picks Khalil Mack, ha- they had to give up to oh, get a Khalil as Mack. A, it would a, never happen as a fan. No, but I'm, I'm trying to look at how the league values a kicker. I'm being honest. That's I'm, he is not just a good kicker. He's the greatest of all time. He is, he, the, he is legitimately the GOAT, yeah. and he's still in the prime of his career. For me, right? If I, I'm just thinking of this from the Bears' perspective, right? The one thing that has been <laughs> hampering us for fucking years Their Achilles is heel. the kicker's <laughs> position. If we can just completely negate that and get that the fuck off our plates by making a deal for a guy like Justin Tucker, what is that? what would that entice what yeah. would that take no i i get i get your thought process there it's definitely an interesting thought like i said from my perspective i was trying to go literal and how does the league value kickers what yeah. would his value truly be i think it wouldn't be when you talk about value like in the league and how the league perceives it i think it's a one for one how ravens fans and the ravens would perceive it they definitely would be trying to squeeze and sh- all in all reality should be trying to squeeze something else out of that and i mean yeah you can sit there all day if the ravens were actually open to trading tucker yeah a one-for-one deal would make a lot of sense but for me 
as a fan and even as a GM, if I know I have the greatest of all time at something and kicking, we all know here in Baltimore, we have a Super Bowl because of it, the importance to the kicking position. If I know I have the greatest of all time, I'm not giving him up. You are going to have to wow me, wine and dine me, roll out the red carpet, and I want your two grandkids. Like I want everything. (laughs) I in the whole What's kitchen with table. What's one kids yeah, this? What happened with you? I went to Minnesota, man. <laughs> worried about I, you. I wanted all. Anyway. I want all the things. He wants it. All, all right, all right. So I had to bring that up because I was just thinking about uh, it. That so. is an that's an interesting thought process. Well, I mean, I think that's a that, that'd be a good good question to pose out there, to everybody to to kind of see what everybody would think. Uh, put that. We'll, maybe we'll have to put a post out there with that and see what everybody thinks. See what we get for a survey on that. Right. Um, but. The other question, or not a question, the other thing we have to talk about, it is not directly Ravens related, uh, but it is at the same time because it involves former Raven Joe Flacco. Yeah. You know, Joe is not happy, clearly, out in Denver. Denver's not happy with him, and he had some comments post-game yesterday about the play calling in this team. Well, I mean, come on. I, I, I just look at it like we're now a two and six football team and we're like afraid to go for it in a two minute drill. You know, like who cares if you give the ball back to the guys with a minute and 40 seconds left? They obviously got the field goal anyway. And once again, we're a two and six football team and it just feels like we're kind of afraid to lose a game. Uh, it's third and five at the end of the game. Um, you know, it's who cares if they have a timeout there at the end or not? You know, getting in field goal range isn't that tough. Uh, you know, so you're just putting your defense in these bad situations, and um, I just felt like, what do we have to lose? Like, why can't we be aggressive in some of these situations? That's kind of how I feel about a lot of the game today. Do you realize how pissed off Joe Flacco must have been to make those comments? That's the most. I labeled this quote Joe uncool because that's the most uncool we've ever seen Joe. I've <laughs> never heard Joe talk like that. In the entire, what was it, 10 or 11 years that he was here, never heard him talk like that. Yeah, and, and Cabal brings up a good point. Flacco would never call out the Ravens coaching staff either. So and it's, it's 100% hard. agree. And for those of you guys that are giving us crap because we're talking about Flacco, I saw a few, a few of you guys chiming in. We're only talking about this, A, because it's a bye week. If this isn't a bye week for us, we're not talking about this, or it's in my two-minute warning, <laughs> which it was until Fred stole it out. Just saying, Fred. <laughs> Always blame Fred. Um. But no, it was the fact that that Joe became uh, for Joe, he became unglued about this. You know, yeah. Joe wasn't dropping f bombs, but that's never going to be his style. But for Joe to openly say the play calling's been bad and we need to step up, I didn't even play that part of it. He's like, yeah, we need to actually make plays. Meanwhile, all of us who are watching are going, Joe, you need to make a play. <laughs> Look, I, I've said it a million times. I'm going to finish it on this. I appreciate. The time that he had here, I appreciate the run that he made in 2012 to get us a Super Bowl, but his time was long gone and done here. We've moved on to bigger and better things. We're embracing it, but it just it couldn't go unsaid because that's just something completely out of character of Joe Flacco. So let's wrap up this series or this segment with one final thing, and that's taking a look at the remaining portion of this schedule. So we're, we're sitting at 5-2 and two right now on the year. Pretty a pretty good grasp on the division right now. I think we have a two or two and a half game lead at this point. Two and a half, yeah. Over the Steelers and then the Browns in third, and yeah, the Bengals are somewhere down there. <laughs> right. So 
We were five and two. I think that's a damn good position to be in with the remaining portion of the schedule. Let's take a run real quick for the three of us. We'll go down these games, and we're not going to give scores. We're just going to give quick predictions to see where we finish at the end of this year record-wise. And we'll start with this week's game, which we'll get into the, the, the scores later. I have the Ravens winning this game at home versus the Patriots. How do you see it? I added a win as well. I, th- I think we're going to talk about it in a little bit, but I think it's a win. Brian, what do you got? It's the three amigos. I take the uh, I take the Ravens to win this game too. Okay, so all of us are on on the board. Okay, the, bang- the Bengals announced today that they are going with their backup quarterback. That they're going to sit Andy Dalton. Uh, so the following week is in Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. Um, what the fuck took so long? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really. I think long, that, long. I, I, I think my watch went off on that timer a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, long, long overdue. Uh, this is a game. Again, it's the Bengals. You never really know, but and also we've never really done great in against Cincinnati against. Yeah. Well, or, the other thing is against rookie quarterbacks, the unknown quarterbacks, the the commodities. Look at that what we Hodges have a lot did of when we were in Pittsburgh. Exactly, the guys that we don't have a lot of tape on. We've always kind of struggled with, but I don't think that'll be a problem. I think all three of us are on the same page. That we win in Cincinnati. W there. W. All win in Cincinnati. All right. The Texans. This could be a test. It got a little easier this week as the Texans ended up losing J.J. Watt for the remaining portion of the year as he tore a uh, pec muscle. Yeah. Uh, so he'll be out, the biggest defensive threat. Uh, this is a game that I was kind of on a fence with, but I do have the Ravens winning it, and I gave them the edge at home because of that loss of J.J. Watt. I actually gave them the L here, and it's just with the way that Texas has been playing. I think Watt's still on the sideline. You know, Watt's been a factor, but the rest of this defense, their secondary has been doing really well. You have Watson that's just been playing out of his mind as of late. Right. Um, you know, not he's not quite an MVP candidate, but he's he's being talked about he's, a little. He's down half an eye right now, though. Did you see that? I did mm. see that. I did see that's that. Horrible. We're going to. Uh, it was kind of rough. Yeah. Um, so, so you've got this as a loss. I have this being a, as an L for them that game. Brian, what do you got? I got this as a win. This is going to be entertaining, this game, because I almost think it's going to be kind of seeing eye for an eye. Right. Oh, that was a bad reference. <laughs> hey, I, I see <laughs> what you, you did there. there. Yeah. Hey, because I forget <laughs> you. Two identical offenses, but I'm still going to give it to Baltimore here. I know I'm drinking the purple Kool Aid. I just think Lamar is going to pull this one out. So, and are you guys so. turning a blind eye to my loss? Ah, oh, Jesus! They just keep on coming. <laughs> just keep on going. I did that unintentionally, by the way. Well, then we go on the road uh, to take on the Rams. Marcus Peters goes back to uh, to L.A to take on his uh, former team could be an interesting matchup. Um, You know, this is the one game. If it were at home, I'd feel a little bit more confident about. This is one of the games where I feel like I can't be a complete homer and just say the Ravens are going to win the rest of their games. I think because Sean McVay, the offensive genius that he is, them being at home, uh, I think the Ravens lose this game. Uh, I think it'll be a close game, but I don't see the Ravens winning it. Uh, I see the I see the Ravens winning this one actually. Um, I think I think there's just Marcus Peters has something to come in and prove. Uh, the defense, their defense was uh, had some question marks surrounding it before the Peters trade. I know you get Jalen Ramsey. We've yet to see a I'll say a quote unquote true impact out of him uh, for them. So I I just think there's too many question marks with them right now. I think you're going to be able to do this, and this defense is going to be able to lock down uh, Jared Goff. Uh, the big guy that they got to watch out for, in my opinion, this game outside of Gurley. Watch out for Tyler Higby in this game. We got to we got to stop him across the middle. Period. 
Brian, um, how do you see this game going? I like the Rams. I just think just long distance trip across the coast. And the Ravens haven't had a really good track record of going over to the West Coast. I mean, yeah, they went up to Seattle and won, but Jesus, that's the first time in, in their uh, team history they won in Seattle. So right. you can uh, chalk that off the list. But I'm, I got to stick with, uh, I'm going to take LA. I just think LA going into that stadium is going to be very, very difficult for the Ravens. All right, and then the next week, they come back home. They take on the 49ers. This is the one game that I think could spell trouble for the Ravens. And the reason I say that is because defensive, defensively, the 49ers are for real. They are <laughs> a legit top three defense in the NFL right Easily, now. easily right And now. what Nick Bosa is able to do out there pass rush-wise – uh, nobody's been able to figure him out yet. Yeah, I mean, he's pl- he's playing right it not just a, yeah. a, a defensive rookie of the year. He's playing at a defensive player of the year pace. Uh, then they've got some some weapons on offense as well. Garoppolo is kind of hit or miss. He's you know he has some good games and some you know some rough games. They've got a good stable of running backs there. I think Kittle gives us fits over the middle. Yeah. That dude is an absolute beast. We've always struggled against tight ends. Yeah, so th- here's my two losses. I've got them losing back-to-back games here to the tech or to the Rams and the 49ers. How do you see this one working out? Uh this is where I do hand them another L. Uh yes, it's at home, but I, the, the way that this defense is structured, they're not scared of anything. Uh some people are questioning their 7 and 0, but if you're going to question their 7-0 and not question the Patriots 7-0, then you aren't paying attention to the NFL right now and how these schedules are developed. Um, as far as their their schedule goes, it's a it's a respectable uh, 7-0 in my opinion. Agreed. Um, so for me, I, I'm right there with you. I think this is this is going to be a tough game, um, and, and ultimately because it's at home and they're going to be hyped up, especially if we we win a few. Um, I think this has the potential to be a trap game. God forbid if anything happens with the 49ers losing a game between now and then. Brian, how do you see I, this one? Going? I honestly think that the Ravens are going to go or are going to take this game. I, they're going to knock off the two undefeated teams this year. That's that's the way I'm looking at this. I honestly think though that Garoppolo coming in here, he he doesn't impress me much. And I honestly think that this Ravens defense is going to make him look bad. I yeah. really do. I think this is going to be a game you're going to see Garoppolo be kind of like a rookie, in my opinion. They're going to blitz him. They're going to hit him consistently, almost like they did with Russell Wilson. So that's what makes me – don't get me wrong. That defense is scary, Fred Lynn. Scott, you're correct. That defense might be the best defense in the league right now yeah. with the way that Bosa's playing and the rest of that crew. But I think home field advantage kicks in for the Ravens, and I think they take this one. All right. Okay. For the sake of the show and to speed things up a little bit, for the next four games, we are all on the same page here. And to clear that out, Bills, Jets, Browns, Steelers. Yep, Bills, Jesus. Jets, Browns, Steelers. We all have them winning Clean all four, or four of those games. So all in all, Scott and I have the Ravens finishing at 12-4 and four on the season. Brian has them finishing at 13-3. and three. What I'm going to tell you is if this happens – and they finish 13 and 3 or they finish at 12 and 4 either way the ravens will hap- absolutely have a first round bye in the playoffs and will be playing at home yeah finally <laughs> right finally. right there i mean finally I, I think it just goes to show you i mean with 12 and 4 you and i both having 12 12 and 4 brian over there Drinking the purple Kool Aid's the one that's got thirteen and three. Yeah. By one win, really. But yeah. when you look at this schedule, like I said, and, and it, it's real hard as a it Ravens is. fan not to be a homer and be like, "Oh yeah, we can win that game. Oh yeah, we can win and, that game." But there's always that the the game where the Ravens take a shit. 
any yeah. Sunday. And you're night. always questioning. Like you start scratching your head, and you're like, "What the fuck was that? Well, it, what happened?" And to kind of yeah. clarify something, because I see somebody commenting about the fact that I said that, that the trap game could be the the Forty ers game. My reference in the trap game being the Forty ers game is is everybody's talking the Forty ers They're they're on people's radar, but they're you're not hearing the Forty ers blown up in the national media. Right, the national media. Oh, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, and then the next week, every all the pundits are ah, they're gonna shit the bed this week. Ah, they're gonna shit the bed this week. That's why I'm calling it a trap game because they're gonna go up against a defense that is as strong as theirs is, and that's where it could be that trap game. Joey because Bosa we, himself is single-handedly extending Richard Sherman's career because yeah. he puts so much pressure on the quarterback and can get to the quarterback so quickly. Richard Sherman doesn't have to cover very long. He can play that soft zone coverage that he likes to play, that soft man coverage that he likes to play, and extend his career because he doesn't have to cover very long. So I like what's going on there in San Francisco. I think that's going to be a legit team. The record that's is what the record you're a is. Closet 49ers fan. I was a 49ers fan as a kid <laughs> growing up before the Ravens came into town. Right so I'm them. guilty as charged, but I really do like what they're doing down there in San Francisco. All right, Scott. Well, before we break down the Patriots game, it's time for the Liquor Stop Brew of the Week. And what do we got today? So this week comes from Lancaster Brewing Company. This is their baked pumpkin ale. Uh, they hooked us up with this in honor of the uh, the holiday with Halloween and then also go, you know, moving towards Thanksgiving, next step towards Thanksgiving, that good old pumpkin pie while you're there. Uh, this stuff is actually pretty good. I, I You definitely taste the pumpkin in it. Very strong. Um, it's something that that I would definitely enjoy. Uh, here you go. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Here we go. Oh, hey, look at that touchdown! <laughs> uh, but this stuff, this stuff, I I really do like it. It's actually really good. You you can taste that. That I'm not a big pumpkin type person, but you can taste the pumpkin in it. It's nice, nice and smooth. Um, it doesn't have a whole lot of bite to it. So. I'll be honest with you. I'm usually not a big fan of the fall beers. Like some of the stuff that. Uh, uh, Blue Moon puts out their their season. Well, like some beer. of the Oktoberfest and stuff can be yeah. a little weird. This is actually really really good. It's smooth. Um, it's it's again it's a hint of pumpkin, but it's not like that freaking everything out there. You go in the stores right now and everything is like pumpkin spice. Yeah. This pumpkin <laughs> yeah. spice that I'm pretty sure they've got like Q tips that are pumpkin spice is weird. <laughs> but every, it, this doesn't have like that crazy like overwhelming pumpkin taste to it. It's just enough to let you know it's there. It's, it's good, good stuff. Seven and a half percent, by the way. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> so it's make like, sure you stop up there and see, see Jerry, Jerry, see Jerry. And, and the whole crew. So the other thing that we, we got, we brought it up last week. Oh, right, right. Ryan tried it as well, and they had some this week. They didn't run out this week, so go get it up at Liquor Stop. Brian, you tasted this stuff. Screwball. What did you think, man? This stuff was amazing. And you guys kept quizzing me through the whole time. Like, what do you think it is? You got to smell it. You got to taste it. And when I smelled it, it was, I'm like, this is like butterscotch. It's like, wow, this this smells really good. Take a shot of it. I'm like, all right, I get a chocolate hint. Hold on. What? And you guys keep going, no, keep guessing, keep guessing. And then I, I'm like, I, I give up if it's not chocolate. And, it was, and then you show me the bottom. I'm like, Oh, you've got to be kidding it's, me. It's, it's a peanut butter amazing. whiskey is so good. It is amazing. It, like I said, even if you're not a peanut butter fan. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's so smooth. It's so good. Mixed with Sprite, in my opinion, is very good. Uh, so there's a lot of things that you can do. You with would it. never think this stuff's a whiskey, period. No. No, you would never think it would be brewed that way. No, so make sure you go to see Jerry and all the crew over at Liquor Stop. Tell them Birdland BS sent you to get your 10% off. 
All right, Scott. Give me a shot of that peanut butter while you're Yeah, man. Pour it up. Two of them. So let's talk. It's the flock year as we got the Patriots coming into M&T to take on the Ravens. This is going to be an interesting game. I mean, we talked about this. This is going to be a big, big test for Lamar and crew. This is like one of those. See, one of the things, uh, I guess the thing that doesn't get talked about most is how good this Ravens team has been in prime time, specifically at home since John Harbaugh has been here. John Harbaugh and this team is, I think it's what's what I think I had the stat here. It's like 12 and one in primetime games at home. Like that's, that's unheard of. You don't hear that kind of stat in the NFL. Yeah. 12 and one. The only other team since 2008, anywhere close to us would be the Seattle Seahawks at 18 and two. And then the Patriots at 21 and four. So I've got a good feeling about this game. This is a game that, you know, you look at all the stats and, Everybody wants to anoint this the best defense in the NFL. And when you look at the statistics, they're second in in, in passing yards allowed per game, and they're second him. in rushing yards per game. I got them in fantasy. I, I like them. Yeah, I like so them. far they've been good. <laughs> but how tested really are there? And that was the point that I was trying to bring up earlier when everybody's you know giving crap to the Ravens. I feel, I saw a few people chiming in and. and you know, saying, oh, yeah, but who have the Ravens been playing? You know, a few people that maybe aren't Ravens fans, but tuning in. If you're going to give us crap about who we're playing, then you better damn sure give the Patriots shit about being 7-0 and against the teams they've been playing and almost losing to the fucking Bills. Yeah. Well, the Bills are, again, another very good defensive team. So, and they, and for whatever but reason... they're not consistently good. But here, the here's the thing. It's, it's a lot like... And I'm not saying the Patriots and Bills rivalry is similar to the Ravens and Steelers, but they're division rivals. And for some reason, when they play against each other, they have each other. They're number. always good games. They're always like that. So that that didn't surprise me as much. But I think Bill Belichick basically summarized my feelings on this very well in an interview that he did. And he talked about Lamar. And he, you know, somebody had asked him, like, hey, are you using anybody? you know, in practice to kind of simulate Lamar Jackson. He's just said flat out, we don't have anybody to simulate what Lamar Jackson could does. Nobody, nobody in the NFL has somebody to simulate what Lamar Jackson brings. And he's a problem. And that's the beauty part about this is as good as their defense is, they've never faced this offense with Lamar yet. No, it's a different style. You have to prepare for every, every faction of the game, right? And I think that's why you saw some of the moves that happened this past week when, you know, the Ravens ended up letting Justin Bethel go to get that comp pick back. Right. And then you see Bill Belichick doing Bill Belichick things and picking up Justin Bethel to just try to get as much intel and as much insight as they possibly can going into this game because they know. The cards are not in their favor going into this game. No, they they know that the numbers the numbers are against them in, in a in a sense. They know they have to you know they can't float back like they have been with some of the the guys uh, you know playing the deep secondaries because you know Lamar you know Ingram can can hitch up the middle. You've got Andrews that can go across the middle and get the get the tight end spot. You got Snead who's not afraid to go across the middle either. So you got to you have to really truly account for all these guys. And if you're gonna play man, you're gonna get beat. Very easily because they're gonna they're they're gonna go ahead and, and just run the ball all day on you if you're gonna play man. Right. And then if you're gonna try and play zone, 
Guess what's going to happen? Lamar's going to look for the guy over the middle, and when he's not there, he's going to run the ball out to the outside, and he's going to get a, an 8, 9, 10-yard gain. Yeah. Th- this is another one of those games, a lot like what I had said about Pat Mahomes when we were going up there against the Chiefs, and a lot like I said about Russell Wilson and the, and the Seahawks. This is a time of possession game, and that's ultimately – the biggest factor in why the Ravens were able to do what they did in Seattle was because they controlled time of possession, especially those last two drives that they had. Those last two drives they had in Seattle killed an entire quarter's worth of time. Right. An entire quarter. In this game, if you want to beat Tom Brady, the way you do it is you keep him off the field because they're one of those teams. And again, you know, they're still working in some new weapons. They, they traded for Mohamed Sanu. Uh, which he's still kind of getting, you know, adjusted to the system and building chemistry with Tom Brady. But they can beat you in so many different ways, right? Whether it's running the football because Sony Michelle has been running the football for the Patriots more than the Patriots have ever ran the football. Right. If they want to use some of their backs out of the backfield, Rex Burkhead and James White, they can do that. And Lord knows if we've been getting beat anywhere as a defense, it's been in the flats, it's been on these halfback, you know, screen type plays, that kind of thing. That could be a problem for this defense. Now it's improved. It's improved light years since Tenfold, yeah. since LJ Fort's been here and since John's, uh, Josh, Josh Bynes, Bynes has been here. And hopefully, you know, with Jimmy Smith coming back and him kind of getting worked into the picture, his experience and him kind of knowing the defensive, you know, or the the offensive plays that that you know New England likes to run. That could bode well for our defense. Yeah, you bring up a good point with you know keeping Tom Brady off the field. The key with Tom Brady is you got to keep Tom Brady off the field late. You cannot let Tom Brady have the ball last. You cannot let him have the ball more than maybe maybe once or twice in the fourth quarter. You right. just can't do it. And really, the second half, you can't let him have it more than four times. Because out of those four times, you got to assume he's going to get the ball downfield and get points on the board, whether it's a field goal or a touchdown. It's going to get points on the board at least two of those times. Right. In late in the, especially if it's late in the game. So to me, you have to kind of pace yourself a little bit with this and kind of do what the Ravens have structured themselves to do. They come out and they hit hard early. Right. right. They level off and then they come home. They, they, you know, they come they come and finish it off at you know home late. Right. You know, so to speak, and, and bring it home. So that's that's kind of my my thought process with that and kind of going with your point is it's not just keeping them off the field. It's keeping them off the field late. Right. And I'm kind of excited to see what our defense can do now. You've got, again, Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, Jimmy Smith coming back from injury. Earl Thomas, all playing in the backfield. Where are you going to throw the ball? Yeah. Pick your poison. Yeah. And then you're going to have the pressure coming off LJ Fort. Right. You're going to have the pressure coming off Josh Bynes, Matt Judon. If Ferguson can get his ass together, if Brandon Williams is on his game, these names that we just keep piling up, keep kind of making it. They seem like they make it harder. Right. For for Tom Brady. Let's not forget. This is Tom Brady we're talking about. I hate to say that. But Tom Brady, that's why he is who he is. He finds a way to win. They're going to score points. There's no doubt about it. The Patriots will score points against our defense. So the way you counter that is by keeping them off the field, time of possession, and being efficient on offense. We need to run the ball. That's getting Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, the whole crew involved. Keeping the clock running, keeping the chains moved, and then when you get in the red zone, Score the football. 
touchdowns, not field goals. You're going to need to put you, up seven. This is this is going to be ultimately one of the most important games to convert those red zones uh, opportunities. You, you cannot into leave touchdowns. points on the on the field. You in can this game. not you against cannot. this team. And just when you think you've got enough on the board, he'll figure out a way to come back in. They'll and figure out a way to. Deshaun brings up a good point. He says the coaching staff has to stick with what works. Hundred percent agreed. Yes, but you need to adjust when they adjust. Yeah, and you know what? That was I, I said this last week uh, during the Seattle game. That was one of the things that I was I think most impressed with in that Seattle game was giving the circumstances it being such a shitty weather game. They were doing a lot of east and west running early on in the game, and I'm thinking, what in the hell are we doing here? Why are we? Why are we trying to get cute with some of these runs in such shitty conditions? We are built to run the fucking football north and south. Just run the ball north and south, and we will get first downs. And then in the second half, they made that adjustment. They did that. And then ultimately, that's when we started to pull away. So again, to your point, making those adjustments at halftime or throughout the game as to what is or isn't working is going to be crucial in this game. Yeah, it's it's going to be big. You have to look at this overall that, there, there's potential holes. We all know that they're there. It's how do we adjust to them? How does, you know, when Tom Brady sees them, how do you adjust? Right. And not give up the big play because that's the other thing that, that Tom Brady is known for. Tom Brady, they, they'll scheme. They'll figure out a way to get somebody to bite up and then hit us deep. He does it on a regular basis. Yep. So you can't bite on those plays. Let them let have four yards. Right. Let them have five yards. I don't give a shit. Do not give up more than a 25 or 30, and that's pushing it, 25 or 30-yard play to this this team because when they do, they just exposed a huge hole, and they're going to keep exposing it Agreed. until you try and cover it up. And then when you bite back, guess what they're going to do? They're going to come and bite you. The Ravens have to make that adjustment. It needs to happen. Uh, we got to do this, and I just spilt my shot. I'm hey going to have to drink this that off the sucks. fucking table. Off the table. Off oh. the table. Here we go. Right, here Ready? we go. Zooming in. Go, 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 go. <laughs> Ugh, that's terrible. You that's a just, little hard to do. You just got a straw and just. I don't, I don't have a straw, or I would. Um, oh man! Uh, but no, this Patriots defense again. We can talk about it all day long that they haven't really played anybody severely good at this point, and that's a valid point. But at the end of the day, they're playing NFL teams, and they were giving up less than seven points a game. Seven. Yeah. Seven. If they stay on this pace, which they won't, but if they stayed on this pace, they are going to far exceed what the Ravens were able to do in 2000. Not trying to compare the two because they're not comparable, but just looking at the sheer numbers portion of it, this defense is doing things that are unheard of. And again, they're only giving up about 97 yards on the ground rushing. We're, get, we're gaining a little over 200 yards rushing, so something's going to have to give there. Yeah. Either the Ravens are going to have to continue to put up the numbers that they are, and we're going to poke holes in this defense, or New England's going to stop us, and that's where we could potentially lose this game. Yeah, no, I look. I when you look at the, you're talking about the passing yards and everything I, with the the uh, the Patriots, and you know they're ranked fifth in the NFL right now as far as passing yards total offense. Uh, we're actually beating them in total offense. We're beating them in two out of the three categories total offense. And our basically that what that tells you is our rushing ability is outplaying their passing ability. Um, so I, I think we we have to keep what, what what's working, what everybody was saying, and really go for the what what works, and really pound the run game in there, and then beat them deep if you can beat them deep. All right, man. So let's get into our predictions, our prime time predictions. 
I got to do my shot since I spilt my drink. Hang yeah, on. I did mine. I was just Jesus. giving you kind of like a, a 101 on how to take a shot here. Scott. You almost knocked yours over a few minutes ago. so But it did not go yeah, over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. All right, so let's start with this uh, Ravens-Patriots game. Again, Sunday night football, 8-20 kickoff time. I will be there in my seats as always. I don't even think I'll make it to kickoff before I'll probably lose my voice because that's how I get. It's going to be Sunday night. I'll have so much time to drink and be hyped. Uh oh. <laughs> you can be able to make it, to make it work on Monday. I am going to be hurting. <laughs> FYI, for all those out there that watch from work, I'm going to be hurting at work on that Monday. <laughs> uh, but nonetheless, man, this is going to be a big game. Uh, we've already made our predictions as to who wins. We're all on the Ravens on this. I have this. A very, very tight game, though. I think this comes down to one of those Justin Tucker-type moments in this game where the Ravens end up pulling it off late and they win 24-23. Okay, so you got to close. What do you got, Brian? Hold on. Sorry. I think you pulled the same thing, didn't you? I did the same thing. I think it's coming down to a Justin Tucker field. (laughs) copycat. I had to change my score because of you, all right? I'm going to do the same damn thing. I have uh, have it. I think I have it 24-23. Yeah, you have the same exact thing. Yeah, you have the same thing. Uh, for me, I got a Ravens as well, but I've got this. I've got this, you know, a, a, a Justin Tucker esque moment, but it doesn't come on the heels of Justin Tucker. It comes on the heels of Lamar Jackson. Okay. I got this 30 to 24. Nice. They're going to be down one going into that final drive yeah, and win it off a of Lamar Jackson play. All right. Fair enough. Look, we're all on the same board here. We're all taking the Ravens. This could come down to probably one of the most exciting primetime games of the year because most of the games have been pretty lackluster. Although I will say that Chiefs and Packers game that was pretty good. That ended was up being a damn good game considering Pat Mahomes wasn't playing. It was Matt Moore. And you know, and this is something I wanted to talk about earlier and it slipped my mind, but that game left me envious. I, I was actually, shout out to my boy uh, Joe Nubo. I, I did a skit on his show yesterday for a couple of minutes just talking. And he asked me, what did I think? about this Ravens team and our shot at winning this game against the Patriots. And I said one of the things that I took away from that Chiefs game, that Chiefs and Packers game, was I was very envious of their speed. Tyreek Hill and Harmon watching (laughs) that game and just the way that they're able to get the ball out in space and just run away from people. Yeah. That's the kind of... Those are the type of plays I want to see drawn up for Hollywood because he's built the same way. He has the same skill set. And that's where you're really going to see the benefits of what Hollywood Brown can do. Same thing with Justice Hill out of the backfield. These are two guys that can run away from any defender out there. You just got to get them involved and you got to get them out in space where they can do that and let them use their God-given ability uh, so I'm hoping we see that here against the Patriots. You know what you need Lamar to do? He needs to use his. Shimmy, shimmy, y'all, shimmy, yam, shimmy, yeah. Give me the mic so I can take it away. <laughs> we had to, that 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 took off last week with you doing that. That was perfect. Everybody uh, loved it. It was, it was on great. fire, man. It was, it was a good point. Uh, but all right, so let's let's talk Thursday night football. We jumped ahead with Sunday night because of the Ravens game. Thursday night football. It's got those seven and 49ers going into Arizona to take on the Cardinals. Three, four, and one on the year. I hate that. Three, four, and one on the year. Everybody's I, trying to hype Kyler Murray in this game. I told you when, when we saw him, I I wasn't super impressed with what I've seen out of him. I still am not. I, I think when you look at this game overall, I, this is a hands-down 49ers win for me. 
Yeah, I I don't think this is much of a contest here either. Look, the the 49ers for me are are legit. I think they're a really good complete football team. Um are they the best offense out there? No, but I think they're a very good offense that complements a damn good defense. Uh so I think the 49ers win this pretty easily 32 to 20. Not to mention the 49ers just added another weapon uh in Emmanuel mm-hmm. Sanders to their offense. Yeah. So that's only going to continue to grow what this offense right. can do. Uh, although the Cardinals were able to make a move, David Johnson went down. They were able to get Kenyon Drake from Miami. I just don't think he has. He's not going to play that much of an impact. I just don't think he has that big of an impact. Yeah. Uh, so I've got them winning thirty-two to twenty. Brian. Uh, yeah, I got the Niners too. I honestly think that the Emmanuel Sanders connection to Garoppolo will will shine in this game. Uh, I got a little bit closer only because it's Thursday, Thursday night football. I think you know teams just don't have that full time to prepare like they usually do for a full week. So I got a 28 to 21. The Niners win this game easy. And I'm a little bit closer to Fred. Fred, I got a 35-21 in this one. You had you know, three points, really four points total difference here. Mark on uh, YouTube says, Ravens will get there. We're still growing, Fred. I couldn't agree with you more, bro. Mm-hmm. I'm just pointing out things. It's not I'm not trying to give hater out there. I just want to see that type of involvement with Hollywood because it's only going to benefit what this offense can do. Uh, so let's talk Monday Night Football. Monday Night Football has got the 4-3 and three Cowboys, who started off the year really, really strong, have kind of stumbled as of late, going into New York to take on the 2-6 and six Giants, led by rookie quarterback Daniel Jones, who's had some ups and downs on the year. He, he shows some flashes that he could potentially be a very good quarterback. Still better than Eli. <laughs> uh, yeah, still better than Eli at this point, for sure. Um, and then Saquon Barkley. I don't know if you saw the 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 run that he had this past week. I did. Where he Woo. legitimately just stiffed arm a guy into the oblivion. I mean, he literally It wasn't as good. It wasn't I'll give it I'll give him credit. It wasn't as good as Lamar stiff arm. Mm, I don't know. This guy, no, I mean, it it, was... Saquon stiff armed him 6 feet under the ground. Like just, just shoved him down. Going but... straight to your grave. I, expe- I expect that out of a running back though. No, not like the that. The ability to stiff arm and power power through not a guy. Like yeah, that. I mean, <laughs> he treated that kid like a rag doll. Uh, and his have you have you ever noticed how large Saquon's legs are? I was they gonna are say fucking tree trunks. His I could fit my whole body could fit in one leg pant of his legs. Yeah, my, he, his legs are that. My buddy big. Gene, uh, him and his brother when they were kids. Um, Ended up going to Dallas for for certain circumstances and ended up meeting Emmett Smith, and they said the same thing about Emmett. Like when they met, Emmett was him, always said that his yeah. legs were just ginormous. I see Saquon Barkley built in that same fashion as He's, Emmett there, Smith. There have been comparisons that have been made, yeah, between him and Emmett. So I think it's warranted. So what did you have the score of that of that game? All that said. I still have the Giants losing. I got <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. All that chance. hype, all that hype to go, eh, fuck you guys. I wish <laughs> I wish Saquon Barkley was on our team. Trust me, that kid's a man child. Uh, but no, I got the Cowboys winning this one 27-17. I, I got it more more blown out than that. Not much more, but a little bit more. 33-19 Cowboys. Brian, what do you got here? Y'all are crazy thinking this game's gonna be relatively close. I got it 34 to 10. I don't care Jesus. who you are. They're gonna put eight men in the box and say Run it, baby. Let's see how you run against eight men in the box because that Giants passing game is just terrific. They're going to fold. Yeah, I, I, I heard they're going to fold. So, uh, 
Fred, you had the pick to click last week, by the way. I did. Uh, you picked the Packers 32-20. to Final score, 31-24. The closest pick we've had this year. Yeah. Yeah, and that was a, uh, a very good game. Yeah. He's the guru yeah. now. I got, to watch, <laughs> I got to watch that game up close and personal, cuddled up on an airplane with Ryan. <laughs> Literally, so, so we get on Ooh, there. There was some cuddling going on. <laughs> it had to. We just had to embrace it. Because some spooning going on, we're on the C boarding group, right? Because Ryan oh. was a jackass and forgot to check us in earlier. <laughs> there you go, Ryan. Way to go, Ryan. Way to go, buddy. So, so we get on the C group, right? And we, first of all, we planned the day out just terribly. We went to uh, we went to Mall of America, which was great. If you've never been to Mall of America, even if you're not a mall person, you got to go just to see it. It's, it's an it's, experience. It's massive. We went there uh, kind of early on in the afternoon, and we got to the airport like three hours prior to boarding. So we had like three hours to kill. Then our flight gets delayed an hour. So we're there for four <laughs> hours. We're just tired and ready to go home. But now we got the sea boarding pass, right? So we get on the place plane almost last. So we're thinking, Christ, we're never going to get to sit together. We're going to be sandwiched in middle seats somewhere between random people. But all the way in the back, the very last row, there was two one seats. person <laughs> and two seats open. Guy was a littler guy, military, younger guy, real nice kid. He shoved over and let us sit there. And it was the most uncomfortable ride home <laughs> ever. Did you guys pull up the, the pull up the armrest just to spoon a little? Oh, we definitely pulled up the armrest. <laughs> oh. There was no way in hell we weren't going to have that armrest there. Wow, the uh, images. So, oh, man. So, yeah, we wow. literally cuddled together and watched it on Ryan's cell phone the entire ride home. And it was a great game. How, I was entertained. How the fuck does neither of you have a fucking tablet to watch that shit on? Yeah, we uh, missed the boat on that one. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. All right. Well, anyway, to kind of go through our, our quick update, since we're mid-season uh, here, we're going to give a quick update. Right. You missed a few, and James, we even gave you credit for James picking us on. You're 15 and 13, so you're not doing too bad. I'm 16 and 16 on my picks. Ouch. But Nostra freaking Damas over here is 21 and 11 in his picks. Stealing my mojo, man. Oh, I'm if you're not first, you're last. That's <laughs> <laughs> old Ricky Bobby. See what happens when I go to Vegas? All of a sudden, I start sucking. <laughs> I stole hey, my mojo. Hey, James gave you a pick that clicked while you were gone, so you might as well thank him. Oh, shit. Thank <laughs> you, I can James. tell you what. All this great shit that I'm doing here is not doing me any good in my Birdland BS Fantasy League. <laughs> no, no. That has you, you did. You barely moved up ahead of me this week because Redhead Ryan, like... Well, what's funny he is... He had, like, six guys click this week. I'm like, what the hell? What's <laughs> funny is from first to ninth place is separated by one game mm -hmm. yeah it's crazy it's we one crazy. game that just goes to show you how these games have been going <laughs> this year it's and, nuts it's and. crazy so we got to talk uh real Quick quickly world series update world series update uh i had predicted i thought the nats were going to end up winning this series i thought their pitching added up to be better and man was i fucking tooting my own horn through those first two games <laughs> you they, were they go into houston and take the first two games in a series i'm like that's a wrap World Series is coming to Washington. Not so fast. Three straight games in Washington, even even with Garrett Cole having the distraction of titties and beer. Titties and say, beer. At least I got to see some titties after watching those losses. <laughs> that was great. That oh was man! Did you see those girls were banned for life from every end of uh, every MLB like, yeah, stadium. Yeah. Like legitimately, it felt like it was like forty five minutes later. And tits. Here's a letter. 
and they were literally banned. Go, like they like, handed them the letter. They handed them letter in their seats. Right, right. Which was crazy. crazy. They let them stay there, but they were like, too. "You're gone." Right. Well, that goes to show how much of a tape delay that the World Series is on. Zilch. Either that, <laughs> or whoever is supposed to be monitoring that lost their job that day because they were not censored man. at all. It was yeah, great. No, I appreciated it. <laughs> we all did. So anyway, the 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 Astros go into Washington, take the next three. So which now, got me Houston, going, yeah, because I had it predicted Astros in five. So five is out the pic- out yeah. of the picture now. But, but you, you might had, get it in six. You had Nats in seven. I do. Uh, we're on game six tonight. It is top of the third. Astros are up two to one. Okay. Oh, they got Strasburg pitching tonight for the, the Nats, right? Strasburg, Strasburg Verlander. Yeah, yeah. See, the problem here is is you end up getting, in my opinion, one of the best pitchers in the game, and Max Scherzer back problems in the world series yeah and you know there's there's certain things injuries wise that you can fight through back is not one especially as a pitcher you need that to be able to rotate and push did you see the interview he's sitting there like let me turn it a little to the left for that question oh i gotta turn to the right for this question thanks jackasses yeah Yeah. he he looked like he was recently diagnosed with alcs he He, yeah he was bad like he couldn't move he was diagnosed with the american league championship series what is it ace als (laughs) als i just threw a c in there i'm just throwing in all the letters (laughs) all the letters well, I mean, he maybe it was LGBTV, MTV, whatever. All anyway, that stuff, all anyway. the letters. No, yeah, no, it was, it was a horrible interview. I felt so bad for the dude. One of the best pitchers in baseball. One of the best pitchers this game this game has seen in in quite a while, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, to see him go down in in a impact situation like this is just it's just crazy. Yeah. Look, if the Nats can get through tonight. I think they have a decent shot going in and going into tomorrow or not tomorrow night. What would it be? <laughs> By the way, Mark called you yeah. out for ALCS too. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. I'm not good with the letters. I don't spell like me with names. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, so that's quick update on the World Series. All right. Social Prize. media shout out. Who we got, social- man? Hey, apparently really? Mark's there. Yeah. Shout out to Mark. <laughs> Appreciate you calling so me out on my crap. there, Brian. Yeah. So, shell and tell. Put yourself Sheer- on camera. Oh, I hate putting myself on camera. I'm, I'm so sexy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, we've gone south Why real quick. Deshaun, Brady, Kamal, Carlo, Samuel, Mark, Robert, Kennedy, uh, Joe Carlozo, and Kenny is who I got chatting in tonight. And if I missed you, I apologize. Nice. There's a lot going on. As Scott's pouring himself a shot over there. <laughs> Appreciate all the, the follows and all the comments. You guys are great. And Second it, place is the first loser. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> and it was funny because with the, the whole conversation you guys were having about uh, giving oh, all no. the awards. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, Sorry. Jesus. I just saw another comment. Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to admit I, to something. Oh, here we go. Was It was spot on with the fans. They were all agreeing with your picks for the awards, especially Lamar Jackson being the, you know, the, the Ravens MVP mm. of the team. And even the most improved, so that's that was kind of the big thing. Yeah, Kaylee wants to call me out. Yeah. <laughs> I Kaylee, just saw this. Kaylee, 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 Kaylee is Ryan's wife. For those that don't know or don't follow the show closely, here we go. And she said Ryan said Fred's arm was around him at one point. I don't know if Fred would admit to that. One hundred percent, it was around him. It was around him for a good amount of time too. I said, look, if we're gonna do this, we just gotta fully embrace it. <laughs> We just got to go it's with not it. For body warmth. It was like I, I am, I am built like a hanger. Like 
as far as how wide my shoulders are, it's it's impossible for me to sit next to someone of a similar stature, especially on an airplane or in a sporting event, and not be super uncomfortable. And Ryan and I are both the same guys, like in the sense that we don't like to be that guy. So we're like, we're sucking each other in. Like I'm, I'm sitting there like this completely uncomfortable. He's doing the same thing. It got to the point. You can only do that so long. And I'm like, you know what, Ryan, we're just going to fucking go with it and boop arm <laughs> around him. And then he's like in my chest. And it was great. It was the most comfortable. It was the most, it was the most comfortable that ride that plane ride will ever be. So they uh, with two guys there, like Fred, that next to <laughs> Wow. <laughs> All right. Moving right along. Oh, wow. All right, so now it's time for some turtle talk. And I've kind of already talked about the Minnesota trip to a degree. Uh, but I am going to talk about a few things, some experiences that we had, because the game was a shit show. The game was awful, Scott. I don't know. Did you get a chance to actually watch the game? I did, unfortunately, get a chance to watch that game. The only cool thing I liked about that game and, and about your trip was the fact that I actually really uh, enjoyed the Gophers uniforms, the like dark gray, kind of like my shirt, um, but like all gray, including the pants, and then that like solid gold helmet that they had. Yeah, they, they were pretty fire. Their uniforms. uniforms were pretty dope. I did like that. That was something I had never seen before. They're usually just this awful, like maroon and yellow. Yeah, they're like they're like the crim, not which e- was they're everywhere, even, like, deeper, deeper than crimson, and like it's not even yellow. It's like a piss yellow. Right. So, all right. So I got to start off with a couple of things, a couple of quick stories, right? So um, Ryan had done some research about some food places and whatnot while we were there. And we're like, all right, let's go to a, a, a good brunch place, a good lunch type place that's on Campus Eats. Campus Eats is like a, pay, uh, a website that you can go and they kind of rank food places on campuses. And they had this burgerito place burgerito yeah but it wasn't it wasn't what it sounded like it wasn't burgers on burrito it was like kind of sounds like a steak burrito it was <laughs> yeah. like asian food in a burrito Whoa. really yeah, it was wow. a really really interesting twist on things but we walk in and um there's another guy standing in the back he's wearing terps gear and go terps and he's going terps and he comes up to talk to us and uh Ryan kind of introduced us as to who we were and that we're with the Shell and Tell podcast. And he, he knew exactly who we were. Oh, wow. Uh, cool. He had listened to the show. And actually, he was a father of one of the sons on the team. I'm not going to mention the names out there because he ended up indulging with us for about two hours and gave us some pretty inside information. Really? We probably shouldn't be privy to, but that's, uh, I mean, that's pretty cool to be in that situation. Yeah, though. It, it was a really, really cool experience. Guy couldn't have been any nicer. Um, and his son, uh, we got to meet him later as we ended up going to, we were given some Intel cheers, uh, Mark. <laughs> we were given some cheers, Mark. We were given some, uh, Intel that the Terps were going to be at a certain hotel. So we decided to go to the hotel and, uh, we they got, were these guys. We got there a little, <laughs> I'll, I'll say this <laughs> was majority guys. on Ryan. Ryan's a little bit of a fanboy. He'll admit that really? he's all right with that. A little. A little. And I, I'll, yeah. yeah. <laughs> A little bit of a fan. Ryan, you are the biggest fanboy I know. <laughs> so, so we end up uh, we end up taking a light rail into town. We go out and get some dinner, and we end up walking down to this hotel. We got there probably like thirty minutes before they're supposed to arrive, and there's a lady outside standing there in a red sweater. Doesn't have terps on or anything, just red sweater. And I kind of thought to myself, like, I wonder if she has anything to do with the team. And she was smoking a cigarette, 
And as we walk by, she's like, are you guys here for the game? And we're like, yeah. And she's like, well, you know the Terps are staying here. So I played it off dumb. I'm like, no, no, I had no idea. And she's like, oh, yeah, they're going to be here in like 30 minutes. She's like, you guys should hang out and wait out, you know, see if the team gets off the bus and all that stuff. Maybe you can interact with some people. So I'm like, all right, cool. She's like, well, I'm going to go inside and have a beer at the bar if you guys want to come in and, you know, we can have a beer together. So anyway, we go into the bar and we talk to this chick. Wow. And Is this the chick that I saw the picture with? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So she uh, she was actually part of the transportation for the team. Like she coordinates. Uh, uh, the transportation coordinator. Yeah. Yeah. She transports. Uh, coordinates the like airline transportation and the bus travel. Uh, she actually used to work in an airport and her and either her husband or another guy started a business together doing that. So they, they do it for not only for the rave or for the, uh, for the Terps, but they do it for Rutgers and a few other pro teams okay. and that kind of thing. Uh, but she couldn't have been any nicer. We sat there and had a few drinks with her and then the team came in, got off the bus. Um, we met some, uh, <laughs> an interesting figure, uh, for for the Terps that will go unnamed again. I'm not going to throw his name out there. That uh, kind of threw us some shade early on when we first started getting into the podcast scene when we were trying to do interviews. Uh, but Ryan went up and shook his hand to introduce himself to him, and uh, that worked out pretty well. So we'll see if that gives us any kind of like inside leverage. Uh, leverage. Yeah, <laughs> okay. we're trying to get some some player interviews later on. So we had that whole experience. I'm not going to go into every t story because I'll be here for an hour to explain it all. But Friday, the day we were there, all of these things that I'm explaining to you happened on Friday. Everything that we did that day, we were in the right place at the right time. Sounds like we oh, met so many people, fans of the show. I can't tell you how many people we met that knew of well, you us. Guys, you guys That's had, awesome. I saw you so post a picture of it with Ryan had it on, on the back. On the back 88 of the and it had Shell and Tell on there. Yep. So I'd imagine people had to have been like, oh! Well, when, when you think about it, right, the people that are actually traveling with the team or going to watch they're the team true on the road, fans. they're the diehards, right? So they're the yeah. ones that actually give a shit in depth it sucks about that I couldn't. I wanted to go with you guys. I wanted, It sucks that I couldn't go now. Yeah, it, it, was, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Again, people couldn't have been any nicer. Uh, had such a, a really, really good time. So again, met That's a awesome, lot man. of people, but the game itself, we can sit here and we can talk about it if you want. Uh, it was. Do we have to? It, yeah, really? Can we? It just was rough. It? <laughs> it was rough. Uh, you know, they end up losing fifty-two to ten, and you know, we were kind of questioning going into the game who was going to start at quarterback because everybody was saying Josh Jackson his coming back from his injury and was He'll be good. He'll be going right. Would Loxley end up going with him to start the game? Well, they didn't. They ended up going with Piggy, and you know, in this game. It did not start off well for Piggy. When Maryland has won this year, they put up big points, and this one is intercepted. Picked up by Winfield, his fifth pick of the year to lead the nation, and he goes down at the 20-yard line. And that's where it started, and it got <laughs> no better thereafter. Nope, nope, because he did it again. Let me tell you, though, neither one of those interceptions were on Piggy. No, not at all. Both of those interceptions were on a guy that I've been extremely high about, a guy that I had some... You've also been critical of him. I have been critical of him in certain situations, but a guy that I had a lot of expectations in going into the season, especially after we saw him at the spring game and what he was able to do in that spring game, and that was Dante Demas. Both of these 
balls that Piggy threw were catchable balls. Were they perfectly thrown? No. But they were absolutely catchable balls. They were just over the top of the head. Right. Just over. I, again, I'm pulling at straws here to try to make excuses for him. But both balls end up tipping off his hands, going in the air, and there's a Minnesota defender to pick it off. So uh, a couple of bad bounces their way early on in the game, and I think a, you know obviously that gets into your head and then things just rolling downhill from there. Piggy ends up getting hurt in this game, and they bring out Josh Jackson, which he's out there for maybe two or three series, and I'm yelling the entire time. I'm like, he just – sports and i've said this a million times sports are so mental that i think when you have no confidence in yourself it affects everything it affects your mechanics it affects your your just overall feel in the game and you can see that that's apparent with Josh Jackson because he's missing on these throws not just by a you know not just missing off the mark by a little bit he's so far off the mark it looks like Stevie Wonder's throwing the football Jeez. it's not even just that so you didn't get a chance to hear this but post game Johnny Holiday who for those of you that don't know is the play by play guy for the Terps mm. on 1057 so he interviewed Locks post game before they left to go get on the plane and Locks straight up Straight up, I was so surprised. He threw him under the bus. He threw Jackson under the bus like it was a goddamn greyhound, well, and he it, it was crazy. It started even prior to post game because there was a video going around on Twitter, and I saw it actually during the game because whoever picked up on it on TV posted it right away. Josh threw when I tell you an incompletion that was so far off the mark. Oh, yeah. It was ridiculous. On a wide open receiver. Like, I'm telling you, a blind man could have thrown a better ball than this. And you see Josh Jackson walking off the field. And all you see is you see Mike Loxley's face say, what the hell happened? He was wide open. Yeah, no. And that's exactly what I was getting at. Because then Lox post game gets into that and the fact that he missed a wide open receiver not only that Fred's calling people on his phone <laughs> where is that coming from <laughs> I watch you're styling people uh but no so he he post game called him out on it not only that not only did he miss the guy that was wide open there's another guy further down the field also wide open yeah and that's what he's talking about. He was like, it wasn't just the fact that he missed a wide open throw that he should have thrown to that guy. But then he had another guy that was downfield that was wide open as well. That would have been an even bigger game. And so that's what he talked about. He's like, he, he literally said in his interview with Johnny Holiday, Johnny asked him, you know, you pulled Josh in there and then you pulled him out immediately. Didn't let him come back into the game. He, he was straight up. He said, look, I, he, he missed that guy wide open. There's another guy that was wide open. He missed him as well. And I just, when he came off the field, he just didn't have confidence. And I don't have the confidence in him that he's able to get it done. If he doesn't have the confidence in himself, I can't have confidence in And it was, it was basically along those lines. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I played a lot of sports growing up, uh, and I never really saw it in football as much as I did in baseball, right? Like, I saw a lot of pitchers, especially as I got older. And got to the high school ranks and that kind of thing where kids that maybe had anxiety issues and that kind of thing, they kind of get in their own head and they're so wild 
and so off the mark that there's just nothing you can do to correct it because they're so embedded in their head they can't get out of it. I've never seen it on the football field, but he is a prime, prime case for that. Yeah, he like, is. Uh, there is something going on bigger than just not being a very good quarterback. There's something, a mental block going on with this kid. I, I feel bad for him in a lot of ways because, you know, this is a kid. Again, you got to remember, we can get critical on these kids at times because they're not performing. These are kids that are 18 to 21, 22 years old. They're college kids, right? You can only give them so much crap for doing good or doing bad. You know what I mean? Like you, you can't, you can't yeah, be too no. hard on these kids. And I, I, you know, look, there are a lot of guys out there on Twitter that I know social media in general that are diehard Terp fans. And I love the passion. I love the pride, but just temper some of the, the name calling and the belittling of some of these players out there, because that shit drives me crazy. And I can only imagine how that affects a younger athlete like that. These are kids again, that are not getting paid quote unquote, um, you know, that are still like trying to figure out if this is something that they're going to make a career out of, or if they're going to have to have a backup plan and, and use their college credentials for something else in life. Um, I feel bad for him. And I'm going to give credit to Kaylee on this comment. She, she, she sums this up really well from, from watching Jackson, uh, from watching on TV, Jackson was checked out. He was so upset that he had to go back in, uh, when piggy was got hurt. Also, he she has to mention that Minnesota had an average of 34, 30 to 40 oh, pounds on every absolutely. player. Absolutely. Ryan and I, it's a great point, Kaylee. Uh, Ryan and I were talking about that while we were there. They had one offensive lineman that was six foot nine and 400 pounds. Wow. And he was able to move. He was very athletic, <laughs> considering. I mean, he wasn't the greatest offensive lineman as far as technique goes, but super athletic. And I don't give a shit. You put. A guy out there that's six foot nine and four hundred pounds. He's gonna stop somebody. He's gonna stop somebody. He's not gonna let somebody. At that point, you might as well find the shortest guy that you that you that you have on the team and go run through his legs and tackle the quarterback. But yeah, I mean, (laughs) that's ultimately the biggest problem with this team. And you know, we hype, we harp on the quarterback position because we all know how crucial it is to a football team. But the real root of the Terps' problems right now are in the trenches. It's offensive line. It's defensive line. They've been riddled with injuries. They haven't had the best recruiting in the off on those lines uh, over the last couple of years. They lost three guys to the NFL last year and have not been able to replace them. Yeah. Uh, so they got to really, really hone in this year in the offseason and focus on on getting some transfers and getting some big bodies in there if they really want to write this ship going in the next and year. And Ryan says, you know, DeSue and Lejean should be splitting the snaps with the number ones, but you have, so, uh, for some unknown reason, you got Jackson out there practicing with the ones again this week. Well, so if there was any bright spots in this game was that we did get to see Tyler DeSue. We saw a great uh, play by him. Yeah, a kid that I had a lot of hype for that I saw again in the spring in the spring game, small sample size against your own defense, that kind of thing. But he looked good. Um, it the, When he went in there in this Minnesota game, uh, granted, the score was already out of control, but it didn't look like it was too much for him. It didn't look no. like he couldn't handle it. He seemed pretty poised. Uh, and I'd like to see more out of this kid. Lejean, I'd like to see him, but it's not worth, in my opinion, at 3-9 and nine on the year, right? or looking at a potential 3-9 and nine season. I don't see the, I guess, the need or really the reasoning behind burning his red shirt. Use him enough so that it doesn't burn his red shirt to get an idea and get him some experience and potentially but, try to keep him in the fold because... But they're not even doing that. 
That's well, that's what I'm saying. We we still got plenty of time. They officially, in my opinion, officially eliminated themselves from any kind of bowl contention with this loss. There's just not enough wins on the schedule. Looking at the schedule from here on out. So to all right. So I, I'm gonna play. I like I I because I don't know. I'm gonna ask if you know. If they let's say you have two two red shirt games left, mm-hmm. which right? they do, which, which he, he does. does. If you play him one game, let's say it's this game against Michigan. Mm-hmm. Right. Tough game. Let's see what the kid. Let's see what the kids got. Can he put Michigan on their heels? If he does, it doesn't mean he's starting next week. What it means to me is you find out what he needs to work on, and then the last or second to last game of the season, he comes in, and you see if he's able to make those adjustments. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree to an extent, um, but I disagree because of my points that I just made. I, this team struggles so bad on the line. What do you have to lose, listen, though? Listen, he, well, he's, they struggle so bad offensive line-wise that if you put him up against a powerhouse like a Michigan or an Ohio State, this team can't block anybody right now. You put a serious risk of injuring this kid for just evaluation purposes. I I a hundred percent completely agree with you that they need to take a look at. I'm him. not saying he needs I'd to be rather in the whole see him. Game. I'd rather see him. Well, yeah, but if you're going to use him, use him and really get him some experience and use him a good bit. So maybe you look at a game like Nebraska, a game where maybe we have a better shot. Uh, at protecting him a little bit better and getting him that exposure. I don't want to see him, one, you risk two things. One, you risk, obvious, is injury. And then two, you risk the psyche of just going out there and getting fucking pounded as an 18-year-old kid in your first real game against a big team like Michigan and Ohio State. So I see what you're saying. I see. I, I, I get your point. Um, I do want to see them evaluate him. I just don't want to see it at the risk of potential injuring to him, injury to him or ruining his mental status but if you but if you're gonna if you're gonna do that i mean i guess that's what i'm saying is like let him go out for a quarter right let him come out at a quarter in a quarter against a a team like michigan and then you can say okay now we make the adjustments and you go against a team like nebraska right so even if his confidence is down you say look it was tough defense your offensive line let's be real as a quarterback's coach your offensive line's not doing a lot for you what can you do against a team like Nebraska. Let's make these adjustments and then set for them. I'm not saying he needs to play half a game. I'm asking for a quarter. I'm asking for a quarter of play. We have nothing to lose. I get your injury. I'd personally, if you're going to do that, I'd rather go the opposite side of it. I'd rather see him get the experience, the first initial experience against a team that's a little less intimidating so we can kind of work through the growth process and then... Give him a shot against. But the if you big go against the, if you go against Nebraska, the only thing you've got behind that you, you have Michigan State. I'll give you that. You have Michigan State. I get. Thank God there's nothing in that one. <laughs> you have Michigan. You have Michigan State next, who's four and four right now and isn't playing. I, I'll be straight up. They're not playing Michigan State football. No. Period. No. I agree. So I guess that's where I guess you can go after it, but I'd like to see him have a few weeks to work on it. And if you go against that Nebraska game, you don't have a few weeks to work on it. You got one week to let him work on whatever he needs to work on and make adjustments and then try try him out again. Why not try him now? Okay, if it's not early, it needs to be late. If we're getting blown out, his ass needs to be in there when they're playing their third string guys. I, his ass needs to be there in the fourth I, I agree, but I think Tyler DeSue deserves that shot a little bit more. Tyler deserves Tyler DeSue deserves the start over Josh Jackson One, right now. Don't disagree. 100% agree. But see, that's my point is it should be and I I'm agreeing with Ryan. It should be Tyler DeSue gets the start against Michigan. Yeah. 
If you have to bring in Josh Jackson, you bring him in. You maybe you can save uh, Lejean if it's a blowout, and you can you can go from there. But you do not start Josh Jackson. You give Tyler to see. No, a I'm, a, this game. I, I'm not disagreeing with you at all. We were talking about Lance Lejean. I 100% think that the team needs to just commit that while Piggy's out with injury, Josh Jackson just ain't it. And I don't know if there's some kind of under the table agreement that Loxley made with Jackson and his family and all that kind of stuff because it almost seems as though that's going on because we're going to keep giving you there's, a shot. There's no excuse for him to be out there anymore at this point. He's playing that bad. And against this Michigan team, so we'll talk about it now, Michigan's going to be obviously heavily favored in this game. 6-2, and two, number 14 in the country. They just destroyed, destroyed Notre Dame, 45-14. Huge game, and that, I think, for By the Ryan way, Notre I, Dame, I think, was ranked above them in this game. Neither, neither Ryan or I were kind of high on Michigan. We thought that, you know, again, this is much earlier <laughs> in the year where we had better expectations for the Terps. We thought that this could be a winnable game. After watching them play against Notre Dame and doing what they did in Notre Dame, eh, and especially with what the Terps have been doing as of late, it's not a good look. Um, so for me, this is a game where, to your point, get Tyler DeSue out there, give him a shot, give him four quarters of football, let him learn on the job. Yeah, Josh Jackson's your number two. Lance Lejean's your number three. He doesn't go in unless an emergency situation. I think Lejean, if you're going to use his red shirt and you're going to use it efficiently, needs to be Nebraska and Michigan State, in my opinion. Uh, but again, in this game, I just don't see the Terps having any shot. I don't give a shit who's out there, just the way that they're playing right now. You know, the one bright spot um, has has been Javon Leak, obviously, all year. Uh, and if, you, if the Terps have any hope, of really staying in this game for any length of time, it's going to be getting the ground game going. Well, it's the other thing. I mean, with Desue, he was able to connect with Fleet Davis, and we didn't play this in the, in our previous you know segment there with when we were talking about that previous game. We got to talk about that play. He connected with him really far on a deep ball that they were able to get and able to handle. That's the type of thing he provides you, right? Yeah, against a team like Minnesota, who is not going against easy easy opponents. So we, you know, we, we played the clip, but we didn't really talk about it a whole lot. That's the thing that he brings to the table. I don't care if he's going up against Michigan, and that's the point that we we kind of continue to go with. Jim Jim Harbaugh is saying that he expected this game that they just played out of them, out of his team after they lost to Penn State. Let Desue throw a little bit of a wrench at him, because Desue has the ability to scramble. He's not afraid to stay in the pocket, but he's also not afraid to move around either. When, you, when he moves around, he can make open space. Give him the shot. Give him the chance to do that against this team because this, this Michigan State team, or this Michigan team, they're coming in to prove something. Yeah. They're coming in to prove they belong in, this goal, in, the, in the bowl games. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, but again, I... I, I <laughs> Any combination of whoever they want to put out there, I don't see this boating well for the Terps. I got the Terps losing this one in a landslide. I've got them winning. I got Michigan winning 42-17. Wow, okay. I, I I got it pretty close. I had I had 45-21, to 21, so I'm right there with you. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Are we on the wrong yeah, one Yeah, we're on the wrong one. Warning. All right, Scott. 
It's your week for the two-minute warning. I know I took one of your topics. I didn't realize you had it in here in the two-minute warning. <laughs> I did, I did, but I, I pulled, I pulled some, I put some extras in because I, I had a, fe- I just had a gut feeling you were going to do that to me. Yeah, you didn't just write a novel here. You wrote like a trilogy, so I think you've what got plenty of. I've got one, one, two, three, what four. Hell, I've got man? five topics, you motherfuckers. Let's go. It's a two-minute warning, Scott. Anyways, all right, Scott, your two-minute warning. It starts now. We've all seen Philip Rivers fired up, but he got into a heated argument with his head coach, Anthony Lynn, on Sunday after throwing a pick that was almost a pick six, if not for Melvin Gordon making the tackle at the three-yard line. Rivers was pissed when Lynn confronted him, probably yelling about the fact that Gordon completed or completely missed a block that forced the errant throw in the first place. Oh, and then he shoulders the Bears linebacker, Rayshon Smith, when he was celebrating a stop. Maybe it's time to hang it up, Philip. Getting a little senile in your old age, buddy. The Oklahoma City Thunder destroyed the Golden State Warriors on Sunday, 120-92. to The blowout matched Oklahoma City's largest margin of victory over the Warriors since the franchise moved from Seattle in 2008-2009. It's only the second game of the season, but many are starting to question the Warriors' ability to compete this year after losing some big, game, some big names. And unfortunately, this plays right into the idea of building powerhouses to win just ridiculous an ohio state football fan don't know if you guys heard about this tumbled out of jack trice stadium's upper deck this week during saturday's football game and beyond that details have not been released about the person's condition or name the iowa state university and police department say the fam who the officials identified or have not identified fell from the upper deck on the east side in the 61,000 seat stadium in an area near the stadium's club seating at the 40 yard line person was taken from the stadium on a stretcher sad situation really hope they're okay here ohio state marching band if you haven't seen it their halftime show this week they pulled out a mini episode of spongebob squarepants completely legible and on point I'd love someone for some for someone to work with them in the NFL halftime show. That would be a badass halftime uh, show. Uh, I was one short. I was one short, and I stumbled a few times. So, hey. <laughs> oh, man. that's not a bad. Oh, you did pretty good there. Considering I was all stumbling the a lot because I had to. Freaking keep re- reading my writing and I couldn't read it. <laughs> oh, Want to take a second to thank the good people over at Sound United, the parent company for Polk Audio, Definitive Technology, Denon, Morantz, and Classe for sending us these attractive new headphones. Denon makes some of the most popular AV receivers, but man, do they know headphones too. These premium headphones sport ear cups made of real zebra wood and exotic tone wood used on high-end acoustic guitars. This lends the AHD 5200s a naturally warm, musical sound. You'll find Denon's free-edge drivers under the hood, a shining example of Japanese headphone engineering. Large dynamic drivers are suspended within a baffle system that lowers resonance. The drivers deliver healthy mids, smooth highs, and tight, potent bass. Just let your ears sink into the plush blended leather padding and enjoy music like never before. What? <laughs> <laughs> Dang, Brad can't, can't hit the right one. <laughs> all right, Scott, sign us out of here. What a shit show to end the show. Wow. Good Lord. We want to remind all of you guys, check us out, www.birdlandbs.com. While you're there, check out all of our episodes. Learn about each of us. Contact us and get yourself some Birdland BS gear. I will be sporting it in 
Florida next week. <laughs> My microphone is all over the place. It's a shit show. Oh, man. Oh, Visit BigPlay.com, the Big Play Twitter page. Download the Big Play app. Bird's heads are falling <laughs> off. What's going on? <laughs> Follow Birdland BS on all of our social media accounts. Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat. We're on all of them. Just search Birdland BS on Twitter, at FredBLBS, at ScottBLBS, at BartenderBlake. Check us all out. Like, follow, subscribe, and share while you're there to be a part of Birdland BS Nation. Use the hashtag That's BLBS to have your comment on the show or we'll retweet it out for you. Make sure you always tune into the audio version of the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or whichever podcast app you love to use. We're on there. Thanks for tuning in as always. We'll be back next Tuesday night, 7.30 Eastern Standard Time. I will be remote from Florida, these two jackasses beside me will be oh, in studio. Me. I hope <laughs> it snows in Florida. <laughs> yeah, whatever. From Fred, myself, and bartender Blake over there. Shake it up, bartender. We are ready to go. Get us out of here for last call. We'll see you guys next week. See ya.